Hello. Whoa, I haven't talked to you in forever. Yeah, he's right here, but we're getting ready to do a podcast. Yeah, the Negative Positives podcast. Out of the gutter man cave in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, I can give him a message for you. Okay, I'll do it. Hey, take care of yourself. Hey, Gutterman! 1997 called. They want their APS film back. And now, here is your host, Mike Gutterman! Hello and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 170. I am your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave in Louisville, Kentucky. And it's a Sunday night, and that always means, you know, special guests and, and big, usually big, long episodes as well. And, but, of course, uh, we are again without the uh, lovely co-captain of the show, Mr. Andre Dominguez, who is, I think, currently starting to head back to the States from Germany. So he was at Photokina, so he was unable to join us, still big time in this program, jet-setting all over the world. And uh, so I had to uh, kind of put out a call again on the Facebook group for, hey, uh, who wants to come on and not be guest? Guest is a kind of a lowly term around here. So let, let's, let's, let's call him uh, guest, what was it? guest host. Yeah, guest host. So I uh, managed to get two volunteers to, uh, I don't know, waste their time with me tonight. So uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and introduce the guest host for this week. The first one is, uh, he's been on the show before. You know him and love him as a regular of the Facebook group, Mr. Dustin Cogsdale. How are you tonight, Dustin? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. It's good to have you on again, man. It's, it's, you're, you're another repeat offender. So uh, there yeah, you go. Yeah, it's good to be on. It's a lot of fun. You say waste my time with you, but I feel like you're wasting your time with me. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, uh, well, maybe everyone's wasting their time with all of us. So because uh, we'll see how this podcast goes. It might be a complete waste of time, but uh, we'll see. And the other host that volunteered, uh, Mr. Bryce Randall, How, and this is your first time on the show, Bryce. We've been wanting to have you on, so now you finally get to do it, and, and, you, and you get the, uh, uh, to do it without Andre, so you'll get more time to talk without having Andre on the, uh, on the podcast. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so how are you tonight, Bryce? I'm doing great. You know, I'm excited to be here talking with you guys tonight. Awesome, awesome. Well, this is the first segment, and as usual, we like to talk about what we've been up to this week. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with you, Dustin. Uh, what have you been doing, photographically speaking, this week? We don't need to, you know, know anything about your love life or anything. Just, uh, just photography. What do you, what's been, what's been going on there? Oh man, my week's been pretty boring if you take my love life out of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I really haven't had a whole lot to do this week photographically. Um, September is a really busy month at work, so we've just been going from one event to another, cleaning up equipment and stuff and in the meantime i'll take a couple pictures here and there if i see something i like um i think i took a couple shots at the georgia tech game this weekend and i saw a porsche at some point this weekend that i liked so i took a couple pictures of that nice maybe like seven eight frames total all week nice nice and you uh, actually have you, been, you have been at least busy i guess at work somewhat uh in regards to this podcast because you sent me a bunch of what you're calling your on the road reviews the camera reviews the camera review call-ins that i've been calling out for so uh yeah what was your idea about that how, how did that come up and uh, I, I like it we're going to start spreading those out through uh future episodes so uh keep those coming man i, I dug it so what, how'd you get that idea it's pretty cool 
Honestly, I was just driving and I was listening to the podcast, uh, and then you, I saw, I was sitting at an account or something, and I saw that you asked for people to call in, and I was like, all right, I can do that, and I had a camera <laughs> in my van with me, my AE1, which was the first one that I did, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I'll just pull this AE1 out, and I'll, I'll talk about it for a second, and I was like, hey, this could be fun, I'm going to do this, and then I recorded <laughs> it again, because the first one was way too long and rambly, and I cut it down and sent that one to you, which was still a little long and rambly, but that's okay. Um, it is fun, man. I've had a lot of fun doing it, because... Like I said, I'm sitting in traffic, so what else am I going to do? Right. I, I, I just get this uh, this this vision of you uh, driving and trying to do it, and it kind of scares me a little bit. So it's nice to know you're actually stuck in traffic, I guess. So, uh, but. Oh, Well, <laughs> I am kind of – I'm not going to lie. I'm not always stuck in traffic, but I have a Bluetooth headset on. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just cruising down the interstate yapping about it, but I'm Wait. not like – I don't have a camera in my hands every time. Most of the ones after the AE1, I'm just – shooting from memory so it's not like i'm i'm driving impaired i've got a bluetooth headset in or my earbuds and a microphone or whatnot and i'm just driving down the road right right well it's it's very awesome you're going to start hearing the uh, folks you'll you'll hear a lot more of uh dustin's on the road uh uh camera reviews driving unsafely uh as he talks about cameras <laughs> in the in future episodes i did I, I did bank six more of them this week that i haven't sent you yet nice nice well we keep on yeah. keep them coming yeah I, I, we're trying to get uh, uh folks to listeners to send in call in camera reviews either through the anchor app or uh just on your voice um uh, recorder on your phone and send us a, you can email us the audio file of the camera review to uh, negpositives at gmail.com and uh, we'd like to get other people's camera reviews up and uh, if not we'll just have uh, Dustin just uh, review about 100 cameras until you guys finally get the, the balls up to send in some, some camera reviews so uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, alright Bryce yeah, if anybody uh, wants to send me a camera to review feel free <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> if, if if you guys don't have the balls to send in a, a call in camera review, then you 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 have to at least send Dustin one a camera so he can review it. So I, I think that's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that sounds like a plan. All right, Bryce. Uh, how about your week? You've been any, into anything ph- photographically? Anything you want to talk about? Well, honestly, you know, it's my busy season at work too. I'm a work for a school portrait company, so this is the time of year we're doing all of our uh, yearbook photos. So I haven't got to take as many photos as I would like to uh, for personal work but I did uh, I did get a Jobo processor last Tuesday nice in the mail you know I've been uh, wanting one of these for quite some time so I got to play with that this weekend and that's really where uh, I've been spending most of my time uh, yesterday and today nice nice yeah I haven't uh, those are kind of pricey am I right I, I never even have really looked into them because uh I just haven't, I don't know, I just, I know they're cool, but uh, who's trying to call me when I'm doing a podcast? All right, uh, so uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the uh, I haven't really looked into, right, what's the prices on those? Did you buy it new, or if you don't mind me asking? I, no, I bought it used from mm-hmm. Cat Labs. Uh, it's a CPP2, and I, this one was right <laughs> around $1,200. Yeah, yikes. Um, you know, I don't, I kind of, uh you know, I, I, I don't suffer from gas all that much. You mm-hmm. know, I don't get uh, cameras or all the darkroom equipment I buy is uh, used off Craigslist. So this is kind of a, I splurged a little bit when I got this. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, there's nothing but, wrong with splurging, splurging for your passions. You, you know, know and yeah. So, yeah, once in a while. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, you know what? I forgot to kind of let you guys tell a little bit about yourselves, too, just in case people don't know. And they should know because you guys are both very active on the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. There's the plug. I have to get in there. So, uh, but so Dustin, uh, tell uh, the people a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe how you uh, got started in photography. Uh, you know, just a little, a little quick synopsis of, of the Cogsdale. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you caught me off guard. <laughs> I, uh, I started with photography when I was, you know, a kid because growing up in the, late 80s early 90s uh film was really all we had so we always had point and shoots and stuff i got a little uh Olympus stylus when i was 13 nice and i shot that forever i still have it uh i still use it actually my wife uses it we talked about it last time mm -hmm. how she stole it from me it's still in her <laughs> purse <laughs> nice um <laughs> and then uh eventually just through skateboarding and playing in bands and stuff and going to shows I would always take pictures at the shows and then of my friends skating and that's that was kind of the extent of my photography for a while and then of course like all of the crappy teenage landscapes that I would take because I wanted to be Ansel Adams but <laughs> <laughs> none of them were really very good looking back at them. <laughs> You know, do, do you guys ever go back and look at your old photography thinking that you might find a, a gem in there, like a, 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 a real diamond in the rough? Because I, 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 I just can't get myself to do it. I probably should because maybe uh, something you would see something with fresh eyes and maybe there's something in there. But I have a feeling I'll just go and just be like, oh, God, uh, these need to be deleted or something. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, have you guys ever like went and looked back at the old stuff and and actually found something that was uh, was cool or, or maybe uh just a pill do because it was a different take uh you're looking at it from a fresh a fresh outlook or anything um, you know go ahead oh you know it, it it's almost painful to go back and look at photos sometimes <laughs> you know i'll see i'll see him pop up on my facebook memories and think oh gosh what was i thinking but so yeah. so no no i really try and stay away from that yeah yeah i think the problem is a lot of times you all you find is like all the cliches that you didn't know were cliches then, but you know, now, you, mm -hmm. now, you know, you know, they are and like, yeah, yeah. But, uh, okay. Uh, so Bryce, uh, let's, uh, hear a little bit about you, how you got into, into film photography. Uh, just a little, a little, uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, similar to Dustin, you know, I, uh, grew up riding bikes, you know, I'd go to the skate park and ride my little BMX bike around and uh, I still do that to this day. And, Somewhere along the line, probably when I was 17 or 18, uh, I got a point-and-shoot digital camera for Christmas one year, and uh, it was a, it was like a Sony CyberShot or or, a, or a, what was the Sony version of it? Um, but yeah, it, it was a real garbage camera, <laughs> but it got me it got me into it, and yeah. uh, I was very displeased with how I couldn't freeze action. You know, everything I was shooting at the skate park was blurry. And uh, that got me on Google to figure out how to freeze the action. And I figured out I needed a, I needed a SLR. Mm -hmm. So I so I asked my parents if they had a, any else SLRs lying around. Uh, my dad gave me his Nikon FG that my mom got him for their wedding. And uh, 
that's uh, what I started out shooting with. And then nice. uh, kind of took a hiatus through college. And, uh, and uh, you know, we took the photo class where you have to shoot black and white uh, for a semester. And then after that, they let you do digital. And, and uh, I really gave up on film photography and uh, digital work until after I graduated college. And a few years later, you know, I just uh, got back into it. I got my own space where I could develop my film and and uh, get back in the dark room, and that's where I'm at today. Mm, nice. Uh, was either one of you guys like active? I mean, also, you notice there's you notice how many like people that are into skateboarding and and also musicians that are also photographers. It's so odd how uh, those worlds intersect so much. <laughs> like, you know, it's just it's odd. It's it's, it's very it's weird how you see so many photographers that were either into skateboarding or or, or musicians or and Dustin, you kind of did both. So. Uh, I, did, I wonder. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what the why that is. I, I, I wonder. Um, if it's just... I think I. I think it's because when you're a kid, I know at least in my experience, you know, we would. I'd go to the grocery store and I would go sit down and I would find Transworld magazine or Thrasher magazine, and you mm. just see all these really cool shots of these skateboarders like doing their thing, you know. And yeah. then you go and you look at the Guitar World magazine, and you've got all these really cool pictures of these musicians doing yeah. their thing and yeah. it's inspiring it kind of it kind of works together and then you always have that one friend which was me who's a little chubbier and a little bit less agile as your other friends <laughs> so, so they've got to do something you know right so that's what i did is i would follow around with the video camera or i would sit there with the the slr with them grinding at my face trying not to get hit <laughs> <laughs> nice, Bryce. Did you uh, was was like the people that you you did a lot of BMX and 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 skateboarding as well? Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, 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 Very, did, did you did you find that was part of uh, the kind of the culture that you know? Uh, and it, was you kind of the one that that always took the photographs at these uh, uh, when you were out with your friends doing this kind of stuff or? Yeah, very similar to what Dustin said. You know, uh, mm -hmm. there's always that one guy, and that was me. Um, <laughs> it, you know, for me, I was an only child, and I didn't. Uh, didn't really like team sports, so that's why I was so drawn to BMX. Is uh, you know, you can do it by yourself. You can go to the skate park and you can ride with your buddies, um, but you don't have to rely on anyone else. I think that's uh, what draws me to photography too. I can go out there on my own, or I can go out there with a group of people and have the same amount of fun either way. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because uh, I mean, I got into uh, photography uh, through music in a way because one of the guys in my band was interested in, and in he used to bring his SLR to our band practices. I think he shot with a Snow Olympus, I believe it was, and he would, uh, you know, occasionally take photos of our band practices and stuff. And I just knew, like, uh, he would show us the, the little four by six prints when he'd get them back from the drugstore or whatever. And I always knew, like, man, his camera is doing things that my little uh, point and shoots are not not doing and uh, uh so that's kind of sparked me and then when that band broke up it was kind of like all right well, maybe i should try 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 some photography and uh so I, it was kind of a he was the guy uh, in our band that did it and uh, that i knew but it kind of got me into it. and i also remember like i remember like photos and like of course since it's in the night in the 90s and everybody bought cds and i just remember like band photos inside the cd booklets i was always like thought they were so effing cool you know like i, I still remember like 
photos inside of a like black and white kind of gritty photos and like inside the like the Fugazi uh, CD booklet or whatever <laughs> that uh, that always always looked at it's like man that's cool photography you know and uh, it, it always made me uh, wish that somebody would take rock star looking pictures of me like that but every time somebody tried I never ended up looking like a rock star I always looked like the geeky guy in the band so uh, but uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you know that's but, funny you say that because I used to tell my mom that that's what I was gonna do was make um album covers and stuff when i was little mm. nice nice yeah and it's uh it's funny because uh, actually me and my me and a buddy uh actually the buddy that used to be the camera guy that the photographer in our band uh when i got into photography me and him would go out and uh, do some shooting uh, together at times because uh, our band had broken up and we didn't really have anything else to do so uh, we would go out and do a lot of night shooting and stuff and i thought you know and i'm sure this has been thought of uh way before but this is quite a few years ago i thought you know somebody uh, ought to start a uh a, a, you know sort of a portrait business where you basically make everybody look like they're in a, a rock like they're a rock star like they're in, inside of a, a booklet of a, of a cd or, or album cover or whatever and i thought well, no, that's an idea yeah Instead we of have in a studio they just have an alley that they run out <laughs> Right, right, right. Or cr- crumbly buildings, and uh, you know, and it's funny. We so we talk, then we got started talking about the, the kind of the stereotypical uh, band uh, photo, where like the lead singer is kind of crouched down in the front, looking at the camera, and then like the bass player is leaning against the wall, looking off to the side, you know, and like. Uh, the guitar player is uh, looking the other way, maybe smoking a cigarette or whatever. It's, it's always the same, the same band shot, you know. But uh, <laughs> the old stereotypical uh, 1990s band photos uh, are always, always uh, I get a kick out of. But you know, maybe they'll come back. The 90s are coming back, uh, just like the APS uh, revival. You know, the, the, the whole thing's coming back around, right? So, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I knew you guys would be enthusiastic about that, but, uh, so, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, my week, well, this is my last week. This is my last weekend to prepare for my art fair. It is coming up next weekend. And, uh, so I, have, I'm, I'm getting a lot of stuff framed this weekend and, uh, uh, done a lot of printing, but, uh, today I, I realized, you know, there's three rows of film that I haven't developed and uh, I think there's some shots uh, that I took around town at nighttime on the T-Max 3200. And uh, I was like, I bet some of those shots would be things I could put in this art fair. I'm going to go ahead and develop that roll of film uh, tonight before we do the podcast. And because uh, I think, you know, I can get them uh, developed, get them scanned and maybe get some prints made uh, sometime this week and, and possibly have them for the fair uh, next weekend. It, I, it's, it's, it'd be a time crunch, but I could probably do it. So. Uh, started, I got all my developing stuff out, and this is the first time I've ever dealt with this, man. And I, I haven't had to do much cussing trying to load uh, film on a reel in a long, long time. And uh, for some reason, I was having one hell of a time getting this uh, T-Max on. My plastic, uh, I use the AP, uh, I don't know if it's the premium reels, the ones with the big, the big tabs uh, uh, that makes it real easy to load the film on. So I've never had trouble with these reels, but uh, I could not get this film to load. And I don't know what was going on so what but what i, I figured what figured out or at least that my theory is is that uh, it was starting to i get it about halfway on the reel and then it would start sticking and, and it was get really hard to turn and i remembered the last time i developed i didn't quite wash my reels as thoroughly as i normally would and i think i have some what i've heard about this i've never uh, had it had it happened to me before but i think the photo flow has uh possibly dried on there and got the reels kind of sticky 
So I'm going to have to maybe spend some time tomorrow and really take a toothbrush to those reels and try to clean them up real good and see if that's a problem because they they seems to be suffering from uh, too much photo flow uh, drying on them because I maybe didn't rinse them properly uh, as well as I normally would last time I developed. And I think I have a case of the photo flow sticky reels and it's really really kind of bumming me out. I wanted to get that road developed tonight, but that did not happen. Have, have either of you guys ever uh, dealt with that with plastic reels, or do you guys use plastic reels? I do I use plastic reels, but I haven't ever had that issue. Yeah, yeah. I've read about it, and I, I looked it up, and it does seem to be, a lot of people say it's the photo flow. If you don't rinse it off properly, it, it makes a <laughs> gunk. Yeah, it makes them sticky, and that seems to be the problem, because I've never had, I mean, usually I have a a film on one of these reels in 10 seconds, you know, and like, uh, but this, uh, it would get about halfway through the roll of film and then just start binding up. And, and, uh, I haven't cussed inside the dark bag in a long time. And, uh, uh, the words were flying tonight. And, uh, and it reminded my, uh, my wife of the days when I was first starting out in photography. And, uh, I don't think she really liked revisiting that, that, <laughs> that era of my film developing, but, uh, cause, uh, yeah, uh, a lot of, a lot of cursing going on tonight, but, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll try to clean those reels up tomorrow and, and see if I can uh, get it fixed. And uh, if that ends up being the solution, uh, maybe a toothbrush and some hot water. And I've even heard people put them in their dishwashers on the top rack and uh, that being a, a possible solution. But uh, once I find out what the problem is and what the solution is and if my solution works, I'll mention it on a, on a future episode in case anybody runs into possibly sticky reels from not rinsing off the photo flow enough and uh and it, it's also possible that i was using i used too much photo flow last time i might have been a, a little uh, the last time i did developing I, I did it out in the garage and i was probably drinking no i know i was drinking and uh, so <laughs> i might i might have put too much photo flow in there maybe so I might have got a little crazy you know but uh uh we'll see but uh just kind of disappointing but uh, but yeah, that's pretty much been my week. I haven't really been able to accomplish anything else photographically, uh, and because I am uh, uh, kind of balls deep and getting ready for this art show, so that's where I'm at. But all right, I think that pretty much uh, winds up our week. So how about we take a break? And uh, we have a lot of questions from the Facebook group. I like to put out every time we have guests on here, or even guest hosts. I like to put out on the Facebook uh, group. Uh, you know, if anybody has any questions for the, our, our guests. And uh, they have come through again with flying colors. And uh, uh, so uh, we have quite a few questions to get to. So let's take a break and then we'll get back uh, and address some of these Facebook questions. So we'll be right back, folks. All right, folks, we're back from the break. And, uh, you know, we one thing we forgot to mention in the first segment is Mr. Bryce Randall does have a podcast, and it's it's been a little a little quiet for a bit. So, Bryce, why don't you tell people about your podcast and what your plans are for it going uh, forward? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, my podcast is Under the Safe Light, and you can find it on Anchor and iTunes and all those other podcast catchers. Um, you know, you're right. It has been pretty quiet. I uh, you know, it's, uh, 
can't think of my word. I can't think of my words. Uh, no, darkroom work, it's a wintertime activity for me. You know, during the summer months when it's uh, warm outside, I want to be out shooting. I want to be out riding bikes. I want to, you know, be out there with my family and stuff like that. So I don't really get to spend hours in the darkroom. Yeah. And uh, so here, as the temperature is dropping, I'm going to start recording podcasts again. I've always wanted it to be more uh, of an informative podcast than a, a outlet for entertainment. You know, I kind of want people to be able to go here and use it for references when they have questions or when they have, uh, you know, just something that something they don't know and they want to try and figure out. If if I don't know the answer to the question, I'll get on Google and and uh, see what I can figure out. Yeah, but uh, nice. I've been uh, I've, I've been keeping a running list of topics to discuss from uh, various people I talk to, and and I think uh, this winter I'll be able to put out some good episodes for people. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, keep an eye out for uh, Bryce's podcast under the safe light, and uh, yeah, it's another darkroom podcast, much like uh, John Gregory has a light in the dark. So it's nice to see. Like I like the fact that there's podcasts kind of dedicated to uh, darkroom work because uh, you know there's, there's plenty of uh, film photography podcasts out there and I always welcome more and I think there should be more I just keep keep them coming is what I say but uh, but yeah it's um, it's nice to see something that's kind of uh, you know I guess focusing on uh, focusing is a pun I guess but uh, focusing on darkroom work and uh, <laughs> so yeah and speaking of both you guys are, are doing uh, darkroom prints now right because I've seen Dustin I've seen your live video of you in your darkroom and uh, so you're both big into into darkroom printing yep yeah we've actually exchanged some prints uh, Dustin oh, nice. and I nice nice yeah, yeah I actually I'll... have one of Bryce's prints hanging up in my living room sweet <laughs> sweet that's that's so cool man yeah and at, at this winter after everything slows down a little bit I, i'm gonna start trying to piece mine together still got some things i need to buy i'm gonna take some of this money i make from the uh the art show next weekend and and buy my last couple of pieces i think to get my darkroom up so i'm sure i'm gonna have tons of questions and the good thing about this community i'm sure you two and uh, john gregory and people like that are going to be able to help me through a lot of these questions because you know i I don't know if, if you guys know this or if you guys ran into this or how long you've been doing darkroom work, but it seems like, you know, I've Googled a lot of stuff and it's, it's so hard to find right or correct information about like little questions you have. And I don't know if it's kind of like a little bit of like, uh, maybe a lot of the darkroom people are a little bit like, say like large format people where they, they get kind of like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I ain't got time for you, you newbie, or whatever. Like, yeah, there's this, <laughs> you know, I don't, there seems to be like a little bit harder to like uh, find answers for like little weird questions uh, for darkroom type stuff. And uh, did you guys, when you got into it, I mean, how did you, how did you get into it? Did you learn by, uh, you know, doing it yourself or through books or, uh, I mean, for somebody like me, I haven't been in a darkroom since 1989. Uh, when I was in high school and um, uh, I got promptly kicked out because I didn't do any of the work I was supposed to be doing and uh, I was too busy, uh, uh, I don't know, writing love notes or to girls that didn't talk to me or something. But, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, but, and I was hiding from teachers. The darkroom was a great place to hide from teachers. You could turn on the, the light saying darkroom in use and the teacher couldn't come in there. So uh, yeah, it was a great place to hide. But, uh, uh, but so yeah, it, getting back into, into it for me, I don't really remember a whole lot about the process as much. And uh, so how did you guys get into it? How did you learn uh, your process or getting all the equipment and, 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 and all that stuff? Um, do you want to go first, Dustin? I can, yeah. Um, I learned, <clears throat> excuse me, from 
a couple different sources. The first thing I did when I started thinking about getting into darkroom printing was I have Ansel Adams' books, the camera, the print, and the negative. And each one of them goes through different parts of shooting and photography. So the camera teaches you how to shoot, negative teaches you about developing, and the print teaches you about printing in the darkroom. Uh, and that was the... I read that book over, and I was like, okay, I definitely want to do this. So I had a little bit of an idea of what I was doing, and I started watching a ton of YouTube videos. And I'm going to name a specific person that I watch a lot, and I really like his videos. He's not really active on Facebook other than, like, the Darkroom Facebook group. And his, his name is Roger Rogers, but he has a YouTube channel called Shoot Film Like a Boss. Um, oh, yeah, okay. He does. He's got great comprehensive videos that will have you printing in the darkroom in no time. Oh, cool. I, I just watched uh, 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 Joey Reddy does these uh, uh, This Week in Film or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he, mm -hmm. he mentioned him uh, in an episode that I just watched uh, today. And uh, he actually gave a little shout-out to Negative Positives on one of the uh, one of the This Week in Film videos. So uh, thank you, Joey, for that. I've been meaning to... Uh, uh, thank you for that. But uh, so there you go. I'm saying thanking you now. He, you know, yeah. Joey had a podcast for a while too. I don't know yeah. what he's doing with that. Yeah, I need to. He's actually. We're gonna have him on the show soon. I, I reached out to him to have him on in a future, future episode. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, he had a, a podcast called Awesome Cameras Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was uh, actually the first podcast I ever started listening to. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know why he stopped. I guess maybe he's just concentrating more on the YouTube stuff. But that's something uh, we'll deal with when we have him on the show. Looking forward to, to ha I, I, I like his uh, his YouTube videos. I I used to listen to his podcast as well, so uh, should be me should too. Be fun to have him on. Yeah, so cool dude, man. Yeah, but uh, all right, so let's get to these uh, these uh, actually, Bryce. Did you say how you got into darkroom stuff? Let's get that out. There. He didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, you know, I took uh, I took the high school class and. Back then, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really care. You know, it was my senior year, and it was an elective. You know, something to keep me out of math. Yeah, um, that's, what, that's what, it. Was my senior then, year too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and I didn't do much with photography until probably my sophomore year in college, uh, when I changed my major over to it, and uh, I did the darkroom work then just because we had to, and then like I said, as soon as uh, we were able to do digital again, but I've always been. Uh, I've always liked to do things with my hands, you know, make things woodworking and stuff like that, but I'm not a, especially good at it. And then that's why I came back to the dark room because of the physical nature of it. You know, I can feel like I'm creating something and, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, able to work with, you know, the cameras and stuff I already had. And, uh, after I graduated college, I bought my first dark room set up. Uh, for hundred bucks off Craigslist, and wow. uh, that got me printing. You know, I I remember just enough, uh, just enough to know what to Google, and yeah. I was able to, uh, you know, kind of pick up from there. But I've learned since then. I've watched YouTube videos um, that uh, Lena Besanova, I want to say her name is. Mm -hmm. She had some really good videos for uh, darkroom work. Uh, and then just getting like you like you mentioned the the darkroom Facebook page, um, you know you read on there long enough and you'll see terms and other things that you want to Google and and uh, figure out what this means. Mm -hmm. So and, and that's kind of that's kind of how I learned. Nice, nice. Well, I feel like uh, 
uh, through these uh, YouTube recommendations you guys gave me, I'm gonna have to start watching some of the stuff to kind of kind of get my bearings right for this winter when I try to do a little dark room. Uh, my first foray into dark room since 1989. But uh, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so uh, plus I've got uh, got the Facebook group I can and I, I can just hit you guys up. Maybe I'll just do that. It's probably easier than than trying to Google stuff. But uh, <laughs> well, and I was gonna say be sure to be sure to let me know what you're missing because I got all kinds of extra parts lying around here. I just sent Junior Wide a goodie box last week oh, uh, awesome. to help him get up and going. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm getting pretty close. Uh, it's just a couple of little things that I need, but uh, I need to kind of sit down and figure out what it is I need because definitely want to take some of these uh, uh, funds from the art show and 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 turn it into darkroom uh, stuff that I might need. But uh, but hey, uh, if anybody has uh, if you have some extra stuff, I'll be willing to uh, you know try to lighten you know your storage problems uh, at your house. So yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, all right. So, uh, we have these questions from the Facebook group and, uh, let's get to these. It's uh, quite a few questions. So we may have to do this in several segments, but we'll, uh, see how, how this goes. But, uh, we're going to start off with our, I think, uh, traditional first question from Mr. Stephen Ray. Uh, why am I your favorite Kiwi? And, uh, so there we go. I've already answered it. Uh, I think on about seven different podcasts now, but, uh, so, uh, how about you guys? Why, why is Stephen Ray your favorite Kiwi? I'm going to break the mold and say he's not my favorite Kiwi. I know that's <laughs> controversial. Uh-oh. But um, Mr. Peter Jackson is from, you know, Kiwi Land, which is the <laughs> director for Lord of the Rings. And no, I feel like go. he's had much more impact in my life than Mr. Stephen Ray. Um, and then even Jermaine Clement and Brett McKenzie, the Flight of the Concords guys, I used to watch that show and listen to them nonstop. Oh, yeah, so, I forgot about them. Yeah, they are from uh, New Zealand, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, man. So, Stephen, you're not my favorite, but I'll put you at a solid number four, buddy. <laughs> there you go. What about you, Bryce? Uh, do you have any other Kiwis you prefer over a pantsless Stephen Ray? I will say I do not. I, I think Stephen's the only one I know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. He's right there on top of my list. <laughs> All right. So the, the next question is uh, Sherry Christensen, and she says, Dustin Cogsdale, what gave you the idea of the print swap group? Oh, man. Um, there were a lot of things that got me going on that. One was Bryce's podcast. I was listening to that, before him and John Gregory, before I started printing myself. Um, and then... I started seeing, it was back when the postcards were going around, you know, and everybody was posting all of these um, images from Andrew Bartram getting his the postcards in, and then I got mine in, and it was just so cool getting a darkroom print in the mail, and I was like, this is awesome. I, I how, how can I make this happen more? And then we were right in the middle of doing the double exposure, and I saw all of the um, people excited about it and posting, and I was like, all right. How can I make this something that we can do more? And I was like, I'm just going to start a Facebook group about it. And I think I mentioned it the morning that the podcast dropped for your monthly or your swap or whatever for the group. Prince and I was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And I was like, all right, well, cool. I've got competition, but maybe we can make this go. And we're actually growing. I'm getting, let me see how many members we have now. We, we've gotten quite a few more members than I thought we would have at this point. So I've been going for three months and we're 162 members, which nice. doesn't sound like a whole lot, but for a print swap group that's fairly new, we've been growing in our participation every month. Um, 
we've been growing. I'm I'm accepting multiple requests a day, so it's pretty cool. Um, the more it's getting out there, and the more people are getting their swaps and seeing how cool it is. Um, I think I think we're onto something. I'm hoping that we're onto something. I just wanted people to have a place where they could share their work, their art, and get prints in the mail because it's such a cool feeling receiving prints in the mail. Yeah, especially it sure is. when they're they're darkroom prints and like I don't know. There's another question on down, and I'll I'll save my the rest of this answer for that one about prints. Um, but there's just something about them, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like seeing something on your phone yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it's uh i think it's a great idea too i think it was maybe maybe the the midweek episode i just put out that i was talking about how i thought that print swaps was a great um a great thing for like people you know not everybody wants to like try to exhibit their photos in uh, galleries or coffee shops or art fairs and stuff but this is kind of a neat way to get your photography out there and kind of it seemed to, in a way, add some purpose to your shooting in a way because you know that you'll be able to share this with somebody other than just a, an Instagram post or whatever. So uh, I think it's I think it's really cool and, and a, a real a nice motivator in a way as far as your photography. So uh, it is. It's, it's a big motivator when it comes to your photography because when you have um, you know Moni Smith, um, she has a postcards from afar swap that she does every month too. So mm-hmm. I've generally got two to three people I'm sending prints to every month and that's you know it takes it, for someone new to the darkroom like me it can take me an evening to get a single picture down you know yeah. I'll be in there for four or five hours and I'll get one print how yeah. I like it and you know and then I'm like okay cool well that's one person taken care of yeah well in a way too that because it, it sort of forces you to to do that it's it's actually you know, maybe if you're not necessarily, it kind of pushes you to get better in the dark room as well. So that's uh, it's nice because you know each time you do that, you're you're getting better. You know, getting more practice at it. So and it gives you a reason to go in there and not just like, uh, you know, maybe I'll go in the dark room tonight. You know, so yeah, I can see where it can be a, a good motivator. So I think it's I think it's super yeah. cool. I haven't I haven't been able to join your, well, I mean I've joined the your print swap group, but I haven't been able to actually participate yet because uh, I'm still trying to wrap up. Uh, uh, I just finally got my print swap uh, photos sent out from the negative positives print swap. So, uh, and then once I get past this art show, though, I think I'm going to start jumping in your uh, print swap group. But they're going to probably have to take some inkjet prints until I get some get this dark room up and running. But uh, so hey, that's but, okay. You're not the only one. We we're we're totally okay with that in the group. Um, yeah. We even had people asking about Polaroids and. My feeling on this group is it's just supposed to be a fun place for people to show their work. And if all you've got is digital prints um, from film, I would prefer people to stick to film yeah, yeah. versus like digital photos that they're printing out. Um, but I mean, if all, if that's what you've got and you really want to join this group, then I'm not gonna say no. You know, right, right. I, that that's I just want people to be nice and enjoy the work. You know, I don't. It's a lot of it's it's a lot more work for me than I thought it was going to be because I've been I've got a few moderators that help me, um, you know, accept friend requests and stuff, and that I've been um, bouncing a couple new ideas that I'm about to roll out with the group. Um, I'm hoping I'm going to have a few more things that are going to get people um, engaged with the group a little bit more. We're going to talk about some shipping and ways to make your prints go. Uh, survive the mail a little bit better and 
a couple of different formats that I'm about to change up the way the group runs. Because right now, it's kind of been a, every other month we'll have a challenge, and then the next month will be a free month where you can mm-hmm. send whatever you would like. Um, but that's about to change. We're going to have every month be a free month. And I guess I'll just go ahead and put it out here. It's a negative positives exclusive. Um, oh, there you go. We're going to have a seasonal swap. So, you know, once every season change we're going to have a seasonal related swap where it's just exactly what it sounds like you'll send out a print with the following season as your theme however you see fit on that and that'll be once every season change and then we're going to have a quarterly challenge instead of every other month and some months there might be three different swaps going on in that month and you're not obligated to do any of them but if you would like to you can do all of them and then something else we've been thinking about is a large format swap because it was so awesome. My first month I did it, I was paired with Bryce, and he sent 11 by 14s And I was like, man, this is just so dang cool. Oh, wow. So I think we're going to do a, um, a large format swap once a year because I know that shipping those is a little bit more difficult. So yeah. people that want to shoot 11 by 14 or larger, just once a year we're going to do something like that. Awesome. So you awesome. have to shoot a lot. You have to send a large print like that. Um, and then I've got a couple other ideas that I'm not quite sold on yet, but it's going to give a little bit more interaction for people because I know not everybody dug the challenges. I definitely noticed um, a drop in participation during mm. the challenge months versus the free months. So mm-hmm. we're going to have the free month every month and then quarterly challenges and seasonal challenges. Oh, perfect. Sounds sounds uh, yeah. sounds very uh, easy, easy to keep up with. It maybe a little more makes more uh Makes a little more sense, and uh, yeah, I think I like it. Uh, so definitely check out Dustin's uh, Facebook uh, group, the Photography Print Swap, and uh, join that and uh, and start getting really really cool prints in the mail. I mean, there is something really cool about that. I mean, I've had people send me prints just out of random, just out of kindness, yep. and it's it's always so amazing, you know, to to get these things, and you get little kind of little views into their their you know their side of the world or their little little slices of uh you know their photography and i think it's just it's it is something really awesome there's a hu- there's a human element to it that just makes it really super cool it's a lot different than just uh liking one of their photos on instagram or something so uh it's uh it definitely is uh uh, kind of, I've always think you know the print is kind of the final piece of this whole thing, and uh, I think a photography is a, a photo isn't really complete until it's on paper. Is my my opinion on that. So uh, I think it's perfect. So anyway, all right, let's move on to um, Sherry Christensen. Also has a uh, um, question for Bryce. Uh, so she says, Bryce Randall, any tips for teaching kids how to use a camera? And I've been thinking about this. Uh, I think it depends on on the age of the child. Um, you know, I have a two-year-old right now, and I plan on just as soon as she shows any kind of interest, putting the camera in her hands. Um, I would say the younger the kid, you know, seven, eight years old, uh, I would just give them a point-and-shoot camera and and turn them loose. You know, maybe uh, go over the rule of thirds or or yeah. some uh, compositional uh, uh, talk with them first, but just give them something where they don't have to worry about anything besides just clicking the button. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, when you get a little bit older, you know, 12, 13, 14, uh, you know, depending on what kind of experience they have with a camera, I think I would just take a, something something easy to use, you know, a K1000 or, or AU1 or something, and, uh, you know, just teach them the sunny 16 rule and uh, send them out on a sunny day and, and uh, 
to shoot some photos, you know, give them a, give them a little bit more uh, control over the final output, you know, sh tell them what aperture is, tell them what sh uh, the shutter speed is, ISO, but you can you can Google uh, the Sunny 16 and and uh, print off one of those little diagrams for them to carry around, to, you know, to make it even easier mm. and uh, just tell them to go and see what happens. You know, I think it's all about, uh, uh, you know, kind of the final output too, you know, actually printing off the photographs and letting them see it, letting them see it and hold and say, hey, you made this, you created this. Yeah, I definitely think that that would be a, a good idea it just to, because, I mean, once they see the reward of it, because they're not going to see, you know, like on a digital camera or whatever, uh, uh, the, the, the immediate results. And uh, I may I, I have two boys and uh, I've probably not I should have a great answer for this question because uh, but I really haven't been able to uh, necessarily get them into it. They're starting to my youngest is actually showing a little more interest than my oldest. My oldest is just a happy uh uh, with phone pics or whatever, but um, but I haven't really embraced trying to get my kids into it. Uh, so I, it's, I've said all summer I was going to take them out shooting with me one day, and I never did do it, and I'm kind of kicking myself for that now. But uh, I do think, I do plan on building, uh, I have like three of Robert Ham's pin box, uh, pinhole cameras. And so uh, he gave me uh, the one that I bought from him for supporting the uh, the kickstarter or whatever they gave me gave me two extras at the fpp photo walk for my two kids and so i'm gonna like sit down and build those with them uh and actually go through the whole process of actually building the camera and then go out and take them out and shoot those uh those pinholes and you know show them like probably use my pinhole assist app on my phone and maybe that through that i can kind of teach them a little bit about exposure you know but i think mm -hmm. uh, that might be something to get them into it or at least more interested uh, because I'll actually have built the camera, took the photos, then I'll have them help me develop the film, and then uh, we can, you know, print. I won't be able to darkroom print them just yet, but, you know, uh, actually get them a printed photo to, and maybe frame it and put it on their wall or whatever, one of their favorites, and, and maybe that uh, through doing that can kind of show them the process and get them uh, kind of interested in it, you know, because uh, I don't want to push it on them. I always just want, you know, to show them, expose them to it, and then see if they run with it, and then I can help them because I never really want to steer my kids into uh, just following my passions but <laughs> but uh yeah that's right. kind of my plan yeah so maybe it'll work or maybe they'll be like maybe maybe they'll be like why are we shooting photos of this little cardboard box that doesn't <laughs> well you know like what we were talking about over break you know how we uh, got our starts in photography uh you know they uh they might get their start in photography you know just by having their own interest in something completely different and decide they want to photograph it oh yeah good point yeah that's true yeah awesome all right so uh let's see the next question here oh mr andrew bartram from of course our sister podcast the lensless podcast he uh, he has stated uh he says photo books or exhibitions so uh dustin you want to go with that one first sure <clears throat> um I haven't had experience with either. I would like to have experience with both eventually. Um, I think that exhibitions are the ultimate goal for me. I would really, I have a project in mind that I've been planning and working on for the last year or so um, that I would ultimately like to put in an exhibition one day. But I think that it's a realistic goal for me to be able to make a photo book out of it. 
everybody's got the ability to create a zine, which is essentially just a small photo book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like the exhibitions could be a little bit more rewarding, possibly, but I think the photo books are definitely something that's more attainable. Um, so I guess by that, I would say photo books. Nice, nice. Uh, how about you, Bryce? How do you feel about it? Well, I wasn't sure if he was asking, uh, you know, what we like to view or what we want to participate in. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like Dustin, I, I haven't done either. Uh, I guess I did a, participate in a couple student exhibitions when I was in college, but I haven't done anything since then. I've never made a photo book, um, but, uh, you know, similar to Dustin, I think the end goal is to see my photo framed hung up on a wall in an exhibition somewhere yeah would be uh would be really the highlight but uh you know as far as getting um several photos out to the masses you know just to just to get uh get your photos out there i think photo books really really are the way to go um and you can you can make them you know as fancy or or not as you want you know that's the beautiful thing about zines and and uh you know, just, you know, offer it up for free or just a shipping charge or something just to get your photos in front of other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually, <clears throat> gosh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the allergies are starting to kick in in this, in this town. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've actually done somewhat both. I've, I've done a zine and I've done um, exhibitions in, in, in the form of like this art of art, outside art shows. I've also been in some coffee shops and, even one kind of like fancy kind of bar, upscale bar. I had a uh, installment in for a while, and they actually had an actual art opening, which was uh, very pretentious and very uh, uh, what sort of just I don't know. It was very nerve wracking, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, so and there is something cool. I haven't actually ever been in like a gallery, like something really, really super fancy. I guess that would be the ultimate go, I guess, but it was kind of cool having, uh, and your own art show with an actual art opening and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is very, uh, man, it feels so alien and foreign to be standing there like, this is my work. Would you like to meet the artist? (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) please try not to spill any wine on my uh, photos or I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. But, um, I'd, and I did not wear a black turtleneck, so I didn't think that maybe I didn't look the part. But uh, uh, but <laughs> so, but but the uh, uh, but yeah, it's it, it's all very rewarding. I, I like doing uh, all of it, but I, I've never been in like an actual like uh, gallery. So I, I think that would be my uh, that's something I, that's one of my end goals. Uh, kind of on the bucket list, actually being a kind of kind of fancy stuffy gallery, you know, but uh, not saying that my work is good enough to do that. But I think everyone would like to see that happen at least once in their life. But, but zines are so easy. And I think a lot of people get a little wigged out about like zines and like, uh, you know, I want it to look professional and, and it's got to meet a certain standard or, you know, but it's, it's, they're supposed to be like these little cheap kind of, handmade as much as possible kind of things and that's kind of the approach i took with my zine it was just you know i'm going to print these at home in my home inkjet printer i'm going to fold them and bind them myself and it's just going to be something i did all myself and it's not a um, beautiful publication by any uh, any any stretch of the imagination but I, I did i did it all myself and you know it's it's a zine and it, it fits the what i think the category of zine should be and uh uh so you know it's not like i'm 
selling them for big money. I still have a stack of them. So, <laughs> but, and, uh, so yeah, it's just, yeah, I think everyone should, should try to do both if you're interested in it. It's uh, it's definitely very rewarding to see your, uh, photography get out there, uh, and be seen in places other than, other than Instagram. So, but, uh, Mike, I uh, do have a copy of your zine and it is a good zine for those of you wondering about it. Oh, well, thank um, you. Yeah. So when I think of zines though, I think of like when I was in high school and middle school and all of those punk rock posters and the mm-hmm. like flyers for the bands and stuff that we used to make back in the day. So if I was to do a zine, that's the kind of stuff I would see myself doing. It's just like the, the chopped up almost ransom note looking letters. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 That, that, I think it would be cool to do a zine like that and, and go full old school and just go to like a, a copy place and make, get the copies made on like a Xerox or whatever and do it that way. Like you do it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. Go to Meanwhile, they're looking at you cause no one does this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, hey man, don't you know you can just do this on the internet? Yeah. Every time I walk into a UPS store, the guy looks at me like, what are you doing in here, man? Like people, people send stuff to their, they stamps.com. Now, what are you doing in here? <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, Andrew also uh, comes back with a second question. He says, uh, "Stick with one film format or multiple." So uh, I don't know. Dustin, uh, you want to go first? Man, I like <laughs> multiple. Obviously, who the heck is sticking with one film format that's not like a professional photographer? What? <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, like, how many how many film formats are we talking about? Because I I'll shoot like between two, maybe three. Okay, that's still more than one. But, but I mean, I would say ninety-seven percent of everything I shoot is square format, one twenty, like yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And then once in a blue moon, when I when I feel like uh, you know being fancy, I'll pull out the four by five. And then for anything family, you know, trying to shoot a toddler running around, I have to have my autofocus thirty-five. Yeah, but yeah, but that's I what mean, I'm talking about though. It's almost impossible to just stick with one format i love yeah. shooting instant film at, around the house i shoot a ton of instant film mostly of my stupid german shepherd so they're all blurry but I, I still i shoot a ton of it i go through a pack of polaroid every couple weeks and then i shoot 35 millimeter at work every day i'm take, I, I say every day most days i'm shooting 35 millimeter um i love taking out my yashica mat i play with my rb67 all the time so it's just it really depends on what I want to do for the day, but I have a hard time seeing myself sticking with a single format, like single size, single camera, whatnot. I just, I don't see many people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I th- and I think that's kind of the fun of film photography, man, is there's so much stuff out there, you know, and, and yeah. because it gives you all this variety that you don't get when you have a digital camera and you just have, you're basically one sensor. And if you want it, you want variety, you have to do it in post or whatever. It's like, that's the kind of the joy. That's the fun of all this, you know? And, um, yeah, I'm all over the place, man. Medium format, 35 millimeter instant, several different medium format formats or whatever. And like, uh, now I'm into pinhole and like, yeah, it's just, I can't, there's no way I, I, I'm, there's too much stuff I want to do in photography to like, say, this is my format. This is my camera. And this is all I'm sticking with. There's no way in hell I could do that. Like there's too much stuff I want to do. Like I have too much fun experimenting with it. And I think it's part of the joy of it, you know? So, yeah. Well, how do you break it down when you go when you go out for the day? Do you take multiple formats with you, or do you just say, "I want to shoot 120 today. I want to shoot 35 millimeter." Mm. Well, that's tough. Um, uh. <laughs> I usually 
yeah, I that's usually exactly how it is for me. I usually will take uh, the harder choice for me is deciding which 35 millimeter camera I'm going to take. If I'm going to take a rangefinder or an SLR, um, yeah. and then usually I'll have like my Yashica mat with me. Mm. Yeah, I'll usually, I usually I'll go out if I'm going to be wanting to kind of get around lightly. Uh, I'll, I'll either take just one medium format camera because my like take like the Pentax six seven is a big enough thing to lug around. So uh, I, I will usually go out with that by my by, you know with that camera by itself. But if I'm going out with thirty five millimeter, I will usually take an SLR. But I'll also I usually always throw in one of my toy camera medium format like a Hoga or something like that in there. So I, I will oh, still okay. usually when when I do thirty five millimeter, I usually will shoot some medium format, but it'll be like a really light hoga or something so yeah but uh it's kind of or if i go on vacation i'll take like nine cameras so yeah but (laughs) 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 but uh all right uh let's see what else do we have here oh well this this is a this is a serious question here from andrew uh he's got he's actually asked a lot of questions here um but uh let's see andrew says uh mike gutterman or andre dominguez and i think that's a question that everyone needs to uh you know really dive deep into their soul and uh find the answer but uh oh boy i mean it it depends on how much uh, mike's gonna talk about aps this episode (laughs) and it depends on how much andre's advertising his his own stuff that episode (laughs) fair enough fair enough well we'll just we'll just move right along then So uh, the next question from Andrew is, uh, how much pinhole photography do you do? So, uh, Dustin, how about you first? Almost none. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's fine. And uh, you, Bryce, do you do do any pinhole? I was going to say one time I drilled a hole in my lens cap for my digital camera and I took a couple photos and that's that's the extent of my pinhole. Nice, nice. Yeah. I I I mean, I I have one. I have the little Holga 35 millimeter pinhole. Oh, okay. I, I, I literally only bought that because in the 100th episode giveaway, Corey Cannon sent me a bunch of uh, expired T-Max. And I was like, hey, man, Corey's a pinhole shooter. I'm going to shoot this stuff in a pinhole. And that's not easy getting the right exposure with that little Hulk camera <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. on expired T-Max 100. Right, right. Yeah, I I, uh, I just got into it. I tried it years ago and failed miserably. And uh, I just got into it. Uh, well, at the Florida trip, I, I took my first roll of it, and I really, really liked it. And uh, so I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna be doing a whole lot more of it now. Uh, we'll see if if I if that was just beginner's luck, and uh, if it ends up that was beginner's luck, and I, everything else turns out to be shit after <laughs> after uh, when I do more pinhole, then I may may quickly give it up. But at at this point. I do have a lot more plans to shoot more pinhole in the future. So, Andrew, you can rest assured I will be uh, get, at least giving it uh, a, a little more, a little more run, I guess. But because uh, I do have the Leica of pinhole cameras, the uh, the uh, Holga wide pinhole camera. So, and, uh, so but, <laughs> no, I bought. I got I back to the pin box too. So, I mean, I do plan on doing a little bit in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. But, yeah, I mean. It's it's fine. I, I I do recommend that if you do if you have an iPhone, uh, I don't know if they have it for uh, Android phones, but uh, that Pinhole Assist app is pretty cool because it'll uh, kind of really help you with your exposure and stuff like that. So uh, I used it and it came out uh, came out really pretty uh, a lot better than I thought it would. So uh, I uh, I'm I'm pretty down with it. So yeah, I used it too, but the thing is, it doesn't account for um, 
Expired old film. film. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be kind of hard to figure out how much more to add, maybe. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's it's cool, but uh, all right. Then and, and let's see. No, no, we move on here. So, uh, okay. <laughs> well, Stephen Ray says, "Why do you love Pinhole above all else?" And I think we just answered that. Neither none of us are qualified. Yeah. I'm wondering if that, that was meant for Andrew. It could it could have been. Yeah, it's possible because uh, he's asking the wrong people about that. So, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, and then Andrew says, uh, <laughs> "Andrew Bartram still coming at us. Uh, how many images that you make end up uh, as a print?" So, Dustin, how about you um, first? Not many. Uh, I'll go. What I'll do is I'll go through. I don't do contact sheets because I don't want to waste paper. I don't have a lot of money to budget for paper. Mm-hmm. So, man, maybe like one or two shots of a roll if I was good. I'll go back through and I'm like, no, no. Okay, maybe this one. And then I'll print a contact print of it and i'm like okay yeah i don't like this so that's not gonna (laughs) that's not gonna make it (laughs) yeah yeah so bryce how about you how many uh images end up making as a print for you do you do a lot of printing of your images or or is it just kind of selective um not as many as i'd like you know because time's always a factor Mm. but oh normally i'm on a kick with abandoned buildings right now farmhouses and stuff like that and i'll I normally shoot about maybe half half to a full roll of film per house, uh, you know, walking around and getting different angles, and and uh, I might I might make you know two or three photos out of that roll, and the rest goes up on Instagram or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, I don't like to uh, the photos that I print. I don't like to post on uh, social media as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I pretty much. I mean, I I print a lot of my photos, but mainly because it's I know it's to be sold at art shows, like just my best ones or whatever. But like as far as like I will say this, as far as family photos, I do. I'm in a process of uh, trying to print or get printed uh, as much of those as possible because I still believe in photo albums. And uh, one of our favorite things in our house is our photo albums. And we're way behind on the last couple of years of of updating those. So after I get past this art show and have some time this winter, I keep saying about all these things I'm going to do this winter, like the dark room and stuff and watch none of this shit will get accomplished. But, uh, cause I keep adding all, all these winter, <laughs> keep adding, goes, I keep adding all these winter projects, you know, but like one of my winter projects is to get our photo uh, albums caught up to date, which will mean a lot of, uh, a lot of just four by six, uh, prints, uh, to go on the photo albums of uh, the family shots we've taken over the last couple of years since we last updated photo albums. But so I do plan on, uh, printing uh, most of the the good family memories and stuff like that. So uh, I think that's very important. But uh, yeah, so all you right. Know, I, uh, I'm kind of similar though. Family portraits or pictures are generally what I tend to print the most of for myself. Uh, yeah. like a lot of the portraits of my wife that I take tend to get printed um, mm-hmm. in the dark room. I don't do inkjet printing. I don't have a printer that would be able to handle it. So everything for me is dark room. It's either in the dark room or maybe occasionally I'll post a picture on instagram that's been scanned but yeah it's not too often that i do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and actually there's like uh i don't know if i'm going to do my family portraits or my family uh photo album things that i want to get printed i don't know if i'm going to do it on my inkjet i mean i can because i I get my my ink uh really cheap through that hp uh instant ink program i'm in or whatever but uh you can also man like i see all the times 
Like uh, these places uh, online, these online labs uh, will be like, hey, uh, 100 four by six prints for really cheap, you know, like, I don't know, a d- couple of bucks or whatever. Or sometimes you just oh, sign yeah, yeah. up, a, sometimes you sign up an account with them and you get 100 free just for signing up an account. And I'm like, I may just take advantage of that first before I start, you know, burning through a bunch of uh, inkjet prints and, and wasting my time. You know, it's just as easy to upload to one of these places that have a deal on four by sixes and, and get it done that way. So, and, uh, and, you know, some of them are using, you know, real photo, you know, photo paper and stuff like that too. So, uh, I know MPix is uh, really good. I've used them quite a few times. So, uh, but yeah, it's, you can find really good deals on cheap deals on four by six prints. So I may go that route with uh, photo albums, but yeah. And that so, is something I did do for my wife last year for Christmas. I actually, uh, we, uh, run a, HP Indigo Press at work, so I can go in. I ran her off almost 600 four by sixes uh, oh, wow. for Christmas last year to put a to put an album together, and that's something I'm gonna be doing this year too. I think. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man. Like, there's nothing like a, a family photo album. It is. It is something, and that's uh, uh, it's a it's kind of a thing that I feel like has died a lot in recent years, and I feel like hopefully that'll make a big comeback because there is. Uh, something really cool about having those and uh, it's something that i want to continue and it's something you can hand down to you it's like imagine you know handing those things down to your sons when you're when you leave this earth or whatever rather than leaving them a bunch of hard drives with uh, with photos on it you know it's just there's something it's actually something you can hand down to generations so i think it's cool and who knows if those hard drives are even going to be in a format readable. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely absolutely for sure all right, and then uh, Andrew Bartram comes back again and says, uh, <laughs> Crocodile Dundee or Stephen Ray? <laughs> uh-huh. Wasn't Crocodile Dundee Australian, though? He was, he was, yeah. So, you know, I think that's, uh, I think that's unfair. But, uh, yeah. And then <laughs> Depends on how big Stephen's knife is. Uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Uh, you know, it looks like we skipped one of Andrew's questions. Did we? Which was that? Yeah, he he asked APS or digital or a little. Oh, how did up. I skip that? Oh, it's because I was going to make a whole segment out of that. So yeah. Oh jeez. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll save <laughs> I mean, that I, then. I thought Mike just wanted. No. To no. Let's favorite. just let's just let's just hey, go Bryce, ahead. We rem- can we just bask in the glory for a second about the fact that when Mike was going through his um his little statement about the multiple formats, <laughs> not once did he mention APS. Hey, you know, that's, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go back and edit that back in because uh, that is that is a problem. But, well, it was because I, I, I figured you know, everyone knew that, you know, with the APS revival just uh, heating up and just taking over the planet, that everyone knew that I would be, you know, APS was obviously in there. I didn't, it kind of had, didn't have to be said, you know. So, uh, but like, yeah, let's, let's let's answer Andrew Barton's question. We got a, a couple more minutes on this segment. So, uh, APS or digital? I'm going to put you on the spot. So, uh, uh, you know, there you go. What's your what's your answers to that? I don't have it either, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike, but I'm I'm going hands down digital. <laughs> you know what? I don't know how I got you two to. I don't know how I got you two on the show tonight. I don't understand Listen, it. But uh, <laughs> okay, well, I don't. I don't own any, an APS camera. <laughs> I don't own oh. an APS camera either. And the film, I just I don't want to get into another new format, another new film format, at least. Other, unless I'm going four by five, which is still readily available, and I can, <laughs> you know, not get old expired film for it. And the digital cameras are just so expensive. So I don't know, man. If I, I could, uh, I'm not gonna answer that one. Sorry. 
Well, so basically, we know you, you were getting ready to say APS, so we're just going to put you down as APS. Okay. Mark, uh, mark and, uh, me down yeah. for APS. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I mean, I, Dustin, I want to, I want to think that you're one of the cool kids, and the only way to really be a cool kid is to shoot APS. You know what? I've been, and... I've been thinking of ordering an APS camera, one of those cannons, so that I can put my L glass on it and just waste some beautiful images on APS. <laughs> oh, it'll 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 just it'll blow you away because I mean it is. Yeah. I mean it's, it's the future. It's it's the future of film photography. It's it's uh, it's taken over and uh. So I mean it's only a honestly, matter of time. Honestly, really... the main thing is I don't shoot a lot of color. Yeah, but that's yeah. really all it comes down to. I don't shoot a lot of color, so I'm not. It, it just isn't feasible for me. Huh? Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, you don't you don't have to be one of the cool kids. That's all right. But uh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I don't. <laughs> Really, the joke's on us because here in six months, the camera prices are going to skyrocket. That's right. I'm telling you. It's, all, it's all starting right here. I'm going to start they, buying them just so I can wait for that. They've, they've all went up, like, uh, at, as of this week, like .004 cents uh, since, uh, since last <laughs> podcast. So, But uh, there you I, go. It's so, time to hit some, hit some thrift stores then. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen one in the wild. I didn't even know it was a thing until Mike started chattering about it. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I've got my finger on the pulse of the film photography community, and you know, when I when I see hot trends, you know, starting to burn up, I got to let you guys know about it. I don't want to leave you in the dark, you know. So that's uh, it's just it's my it's my it's my duty as uh, as your as your friendly film podcast host to let you know that the APS revival is real, and uh, you know, you just need to jump on that train while you can. So, but uh, all I heard was duty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're about, I don't know, we about a quarter of the way, halfway through these questions, but let's go ahead and uh, let's take a break here and uh, collect our thoughts and, uh, and, and ponder just how the, the greatness of the APS format, and then we'll be back uh, after, this, <laughs> after this break, folks. folks we're back from the break and uh i think we pretty much have convinced uh dustin cogsdale that aps is the format of the future and he's going to do an on the road camera review of an aps camera soon i'm pretty sure so uh uh we're gonna we're gonna be looking forward to that everyone will be waiting to find out uh you know what all the cool kids are shooting these days so but uh let's get back to these uh these facebook questions here um <laughs> let's see <laughs> uh it starts off with uh let's see where we're at, we're at Stephen ray right uh he says yeah. uh which part of New Zealand is your favorite place in the whole world? So uh, I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> <laughs> didn't we? Uh, didn't we decide on Mordor? Yeah, I think yeah, we did. Yeah, Mordor. yeah, it's Mordor. Yeah, absolutely. Mordor is the place you want to go. Um, uh, yeah, so that's where you're. It's where you want to go in New Zealand, Mordor. So especially if cool. you're into jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then he, uh, Stephen comes back and asks, uh, are, are you wearing pants? I'm asking for, for a friend. <laughs> oh, so are you guys wearing pants tonight? 
I'm wearing gym shorts, so technically I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> How about you, Bryce? You got pants on? I know you didn't when you were peeing earlier, but... Uh, uh... <laughs> Yeah, well, I do now. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, I don't know about how you pee, but I'm still wearing pants when I pee. I don't, like, completely <laughs> shit out. You don't drop them down around your knees. <laughs> at that point. Maybe after too much bourbon. You just see you walk into a bathroom and just, all right, start on circling, take your pants off. So I've been doing this wrong all this time? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't say wrong. It's just a little bit more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's go on. Let's move here. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Bartram says, uh, it, the question says, why photograph? And I don't know if he means why photography or why photograph. That's a very broad, I feel like we've had 170 episodes talking about this, but uh, uh, I don't know. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's attack this, uh, maybe why, why we take photographs or why photography. So uh, I don't know. Uh, Dustin, you want to try that one first? Sure. Why? Why not photograph? You know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's it, it's it's fun. It's a it's an artistic expression. It's a it's calming. It clears your mind because when you're trying to take that picture, you're not thinking about all the other crazy shit going on. You just you're trying to get your exposure and your composition, and you know you're trying to make the best image you can. So it's kind of like uh, your own little therapy. Your my or my own therapy, my own release. You know. That's pretty much all I've got for it. I'm not trying to get famous or anything off of my photography. I'm not trying to make any money. Hell, I give them all my prints away for free. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, how about you, Bryce? How, how would you attack that question? Um, you know, why do you breathe? Why do you do anything? You know, it's, it becomes a part of who you are after a while, and it's just mm -hmm. what you do. You know, yeah. you, you think about it 24-7. You, you know, you're walking down the street without a camera in hand frame up shots for later yeah you know that's uh i was just it's just a part of you yeah it's amazing how much time uh my mind is on photography even when i'm nowhere near photography or a camera it, it's it's amazing how much of our minds it kind of it kind of takes up doesn't it it just kind of stays with you like you, you can't go anywhere without seeing or looking for photographs just driving down the road even if you don't have a camera on you it's 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 amazing it's it's power once you get that passion mm -hmm. for it yeah it's it's a crazy thing but uh and i won't really go into uh answering the question because i feel like i've had 170 episodes where i've tried to explain answers to that question so uh, but <laughs> it's a hard question to answer because it's not really something that you think about why photography it just it just is you know yeah, it's just a yeah. part it's just a part of us i agree i agree and then Andrew asks a more specific question. Andrew Bartram says, what uh, photographic presents will you ask Santa to bring you this year? So uh, I don't, I've got some thoughts about this, but uh, uh, how about we go with you guys first? Dustin, you got any, any, any Christmas photography presents you're looking forward to or going to ask for? Mm, uh, I mean, of course I have stuff that I would like, but my wife generally tends to just tell me to get that kind of shit myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it. The my hobbies, she tends to always just let me kind of take care of that myself. She doesn't really, mm. she she's afraid of getting the wrong thing, even though I try to tell her like there is no wrong thing. But yeah. it's um, if I had to, if there was something that I like absolutely wanted this year, um, I've been really really wanting an eighty-five millimeter lens for my um, Minolta XD11. I think that's probably my next 
purchase or a 4x5. Um, actually, I think maybe that 4x5 from Intrepid to, to okay. go along with the 4x5 and larger they have coming soon. That might be my next thing. Um, or something that I would ask for. Or just a 4x5 in general, we'll say. Yeah. But, yeah. Awesome. How about you, Bryce? You got any things on the Christmas want list? Um, honestly, like I don't uh, suffer from gas all that much. I just bought the Jobo, and that's been uh, on my list for the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, my go-to is always a uh, Tri-X uh, yeah. in one twenty and a uh, Ilford paper. You know, yeah. on, you know, kind of the consumable stuff that you you always gotta you always gotta have around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, my wife's been pretty good lately. Last couple of holidays where a gift was uh, necessary, she's uh, she got me a really nice messenger bag for like Valentine's Day, and I think my birthday she bought me some film, and so she's been pretty good. Uh, she's actually asked Andre what to get me a couple of times, and Andre's been able to help her out. So that's been uh, I'm gonna have to thank Andre for that, I guess, because she's been kind of spot on with uh, with some of the gift giving lately. But uh, uh, but there's uh, there's a couple of things I've been thinking about asking her for uh this christmas and uh i'm thinking about maybe that new polaroid uh one step plus or whatever but i'm not sure that's like 150 bucks and that's a little more than i think i really want to spend on a on a polaroid or want her to spend on a on a polaroid because i I have the plenty of polaroid cameras but i do kind of like some of the uh some of the features i I really like the close-up lens that they added to that uh to that camera but uh so maybe that but actually there's something I've almost asked for for like the last three Christmases, and I never have done it, and I've never had this camera, and I've always wanted one, and it's the Alomo LCA, uh, just the the Russian, you know, the, the actual Russian one. I see them on eBay all the time for, you know, about eighty to hundred bucks, and supposedly working condition, but it's a lot to ask my wife to go on eBay and find one. So I, that's I think that's why I've never really asked her to to get that for me for Christmas. But I've always wanted a Lomo LCA just to see if you know, if all the, I mean, a whole movement was born around that camera. And some yeah. people say it's, it's like, some people say, oh, it's no different than any other 35 millimeter point and shoot. And other people say, no, it has that characteristic color saturation and the vignetting. And, but, you know, I, I see really boring shots with them and I see really awesome shots with them, but I've never owned one. So I kind of want to, at some point, own one, try it myself, see if there really, uh, if there's something special about that camera or if it's uh, just, basically overblown hype you know but i i've never owned one so i really i've never been able to answer that question myself but have either either of you ever had that that camera or known somebody that had one i have not i um i just saw a um post recently from some celebrity that was shooting it and the prices have kind of jumped a good bit since then so if you Mm -hmm. are interested in getting one i would go now but i do have what everybody says is like the alternative or the better option over that which is the Olympus XA2. Yeah, um, yeah. I love those XA series. Those cameras are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had an XA2 years ago, back uh, when the Lomo craze was really going on, and the Lomo cameras were quite expensive. The LCAs were quite expensive back then, and uh, uh, I bought an XA2, and uh, I didn't... I only shot maybe a row or two through it, and then uh, I didn't wasn't really getting that Lomo look or whatever, so... Uh, it, it didn't really appeal to me. I realized that the shooting experience is much is pretty similar, but uh, I didn't really get much like I didn't notice any like crazy color or or I mean I guess a lot of their crazy color that Lomo was actually uh, preaching at that time was mostly from cross processing slide film. But but I didn't right. get much like I didn't really get the <laughs> vignetting. You know I didn't really get like 
Because what, what I would like is uh, for a 35 millimeter camera to kind of do what my Hoga does. And so I remember being really excited when the 35 millimeter uh, Hogas came out. And it just, on those, it, it still didn't look, the, the vignetting it had looked too art, artificial. You know, it didn't look like the way a Hoga vignettes where it kind of uh, just gets blurrier towards the edges and a slight darkening towards the edges. That 35 millimeter Hoga that I had, it was like really dark corners and it just it looked kind of fakey like like uh, and i think they actually did put a mask in those to kind of make uh, force that vignetting a little bit and it looked like it didn't look natural like a hoga's does so but uh so i've always kind of wanted some little 35 millimeter compact that would give me a hoga look without you know and in 35 millimeter and, and and maybe auto exposure and stuff like that so i thought maybe the lca would be uh, a camera that would do that but then again, I see photos of it online or taken with it online that don't look any different from something I'd get from my normal 35 millimeter compact. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things I'm going to have to just get one and answer the mystery myself. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I just I don't I don't get the the Lomo thing. I mean, I do get it, but I don't get like trying to actively like buy shitty cameras to get a bad <laughs> effect especially when those cameras are super expensive man like if yeah. i was trying to go for that effect i'd go get a cheap camera from a thrift store and just put some vaseline on the lens yeah yeah i'm actually thinking about trying that with some of my uh some i have way too many 35 millimeter compacts that are just giving me results that are just kind of boring and bland and uh, i've tried some some experiments with them to try to get something interesting out of them most of them have been failures but i think my next step is going to be trying to do some Vaseline uh, or something on the lens and see how that turns out. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to try some things because I, I have these 35 millimeter compacts, but they always just bore me. Like they're not, like I've, I mentioned on a previous podcast, they're not good enough to be really, uh, you know, to really blow me away and they're not bad enough to be interesting. So that's kind of uh, where it's at. When I, when I shoot a, a small camera like that, I just want, I just want something interesting that surprises me. I like my Hoga just surprises me every single time I shoot it. And I just kind of wish I could get, uh, something with auto exposure or something that did the same. It gave me that those same surprises because uh, I really like some uh, some really crappy cameras and the weird things they do at times. So, but uh, I don't know. Bryce, I don't mind with the crappy cameras. I just don't get yeah. paying a premium a for big money a crappy for, yeah. camera. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's the problem is all the good crappy cameras that do those weird kind of cool effects uh, are do tend to be pricey. So yeah. So I'm gonna try to find a way to chintz out on it somehow but uh so uh, but uh bryce do you do you do you try do any uh like um uh lo-fi type photography cheap cameras or anything like that i do not you know yeah. uh for for me with the the time that it takes to and the money you know for film and to get out and actually shoot and develop everything i i like my photographs to be crisp and clear and clean and and uh and uh you know technically sound more yeah. or less i have uh, i have in the past uh purposely ruined film you know by popping the popping the back open to have light leaks and uh you know i'd i'd run it through the dishwasher at work and before i would uh, develop the film and you know see what kind of uh, effects i get that way mm -hmm. and uh and if i'm out shooting you know redundant things that i shoot you know a million times you know out at the skate park or something you know i'll uh, i'll do stuff like that and and uh, it is neat i uh, i really enjoy the uh, popping the back open and and uh, getting the light leaks and yeah 
and uh, and then you know when you when it comes time to cut the film into the strips, you know you can't see the lines necessarily. So sometimes <laughs> you cut the photo right in half, and you end yeah. up with some cool diptychs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. <clears throat> okay, Theo Panagopoulos. Uh, comes in with a question that says, prints of photographs resonate with people better than off screens. Do you think it's just the tangible nature of them alone or does uh, that does that or something more? Hmm, that's a good one. Dustin, you actually kind of had a little answer to that. But uh, uh, so there you go. I'm going to let you go first since you already seem to have thought about this one a tad. So <laughs> Yeah, this is what I, the one I was alluding to earlier when I was talking about it. Um, I don't think that it's just the tangible nature of it because prints on a screen and an actual black and white print are two completely different things. Um, the print that you see on the screen is going to depend on how your screen is calibrated for, with your computer or your, your phone or the brightness of your phone. So you're not going to see the same picture that you would see once you print it. And... There's just nothing else the same as looking at a darkroom print. I've already said it, and I'll, I will say it until the cows come home. If you, you you haven't seen your own darkroom print in your hands, you just don't understand how, the feeling. There, there's a, there's more of a feeling that it gives you, I guess. Um, or, or me, myself at least. Because I, I could scroll through pictures all day, and I'll see some occasionally where I'm like, wow, I would really like to see... A print of that so I can really see that image yeah. um, because it, like I said it's all like the resolution of your screen the way it's calibrated how bright it is it's all of those things are gonna affect how you see that picture but when you actually see it printed out that's exactly how that print picture was intended by the photographer yeah good point good point yeah uh, uh, see Bryce do you what do you think how, how would you answer that question um, I think the tangible nature plays a lot into it. You know, when you're uh, when you're viewing photographs on the screen, um, you know, think of think about how fast you click from one page to the other. You, I mean, how much time do you really spend with that photograph? You know, taking it and analyzing it. Um, you know, looking at the at the various elements of the print. But when you're you know, when you have a photograph hanging on the wall, you know, right in front of you, you know, there's no ads on this, you know, there's no ads on the wall, there's no, no uh, click here, you know, to go to the next photo, it's, you know, you're staying there looking at something physical, um, you know, I find it a lot easier to actually put my, put myself in the place of the photographer, you know, and try and imagine what was going on at that time the photograph was taken. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I'm trying to think back uh, to a exhibition I went at the to at the local art gallery here. I want to say it was in the spring, but it was uh, Depression era photographers. Mm. And uh, you know, how many times have you seen uh, Dorothea Lange's uh, migrant? Is it migrant mother? Is that the name of it? I think so. Yeah, I know. The, I know yeah. the image for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you, you know, I say that you can immediately picture that image. Mm -hmm. You know, you think of how many times you see it. You've seen it. Oh yeah. yeah. And but I remember standing there in front of that photograph, and it was just a complete, complete different experience. Oh, for and, sure. And uh, and I actually, you know, uh, before I got to walk up and see the photo, I actually watched a gentleman 
uh, standing there. He he looked at this image for probably thirty minutes, mm. and uh, you know, just standing right in front of it. Um, you know, you can really it's a lot more emotional. You know, to oh, yeah. see a yeah. print like mm-hmm. that. Absolutely, yeah. We had a uh, an exhibition here in Louisville a couple years ago. Actually, quite a few years ago, I guess, uh, and uh, it was it was awesome. It had like a lot of like um, it was like one of those exhibitions that travels around to different uh, muse- museums for a certain amount of time in major cities or whatever. And it had like actual darkroom prints from uh, uh, like Ansel Adams and Edward Weston, and uh, one of my favorites. Uh, they had a print from uh, Wynn Bullock in there that was, uh, and so like it was just to see these. I've seen I've got books of these people, you know, and and. Uh, to see them in books is one thing, or to see them online is, is, is not even nearly as good as a book, but to see an actual darkroom print of their work that they actually printed, uh, I mean, I, I stood there for a long time taking in uh, some of those photos because it was just, uh, there was a depth uh, to them, first of all, that because uh, we're talking, these guys are some, some master darkroom printers for one thing, but uh, the depth of those photos and just, you could get lost in them. It was just, uh, it was a real amazing experience to see actual, uh, you know, darkroom uh, prints from these like masters of photography, you know, and uh, it was, it was a unbelievable experience. I, I can honestly say nothing online on Instagram is ever going to move me quite, (laughs) quite like that, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, And and plus like, you know, I I mentioned to my, like, just like kids uh, uh, are not, are so used to not having prints. Like uh, I I mentioned uh, my son's birthday party where they just had these little Polaroid prints and just how it was a, it was, different for them you know just to hold something in their hands uh, a tangible item you know and rather than just uh, something on a screen and uh it's, it was it was fun to see that the, the fact that they were thrilled about a little piece of paper with their their photograph on it and uh it's 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 so weird it's almost like uh like i went to some some uh you know i don't know third world country that never had you know uh, cameras or photography or whatever like my kids were almost <laughs> that that unexposed to having a print of themselves in their hand you know it's it, it was very strange and uh uh it's weird how how that's changed you know but um ah uh, so wow that was a, that was a deep question there so yeah that's okay. a good one I'll yeah that's a good one okay uh next question is uh uh, Anil Mystery, he says, uh, my question, what's your favorite SLR and what's your favorite compact and why? Oh, gosh. Yikes. That's, that's going to be tough. Um, I'm going to let one of you guys go first because i got to think about that. <laughs> so, uh, Dustin, you're up. <laughs> okay. Um, my favorite SLR is going to be my Minolta XD11. Um, that's just the first camera that I really got in my hands, and it just felt right to me. Um, Minolta Rocor glass is really awesome. Uh, it's the camera came out at a point when they were working when Minolta was working with Leica, and they just really got their stuff dialed in. The XD11 was the last metal camera before the X700, which is generally like everybody's like, oh man, if you're gonna get a Minolta, get this one. I think everybody's wrong. I think if you're gonna get a Minolta, you should get the XD11. Um, because there, it has everything you need on it. It's got shutter priority, after priority, a fully metered manual. Um, it uses the, the I guess it's the SR mount, which is the MC and MD glass, um, which is some of the best classic glass in my opinion. 
Um, it, it, the, when I do shoot color, that's the camera that I use. The only camera I use when I shoot color. There's just something about the way that it um, it picks up the, the coating or whatever. However, mm. whatever it is that makes the colors the way it is, I just really dig it. Um, it's got good contrast when you shoot black and white. Um, and I know a lot of that is the lenses but just that camera it's small it's the same size as an om1 which is generally considered to be the smallest uh 35 millimeter slr back in the day um it's just a great little camera and i, I really dig it and my favorite compact um probably the olympus xa mm -hmm. it's just a tiny um rangefinder and i really dig it how easy it is to use um, it's full. It's aperture priority. It, it's not like a super fancy camera. It's just an easy one to shoot. And when I'm going somewhere, it's easy to stick in my pocket and pull it out and get my shot and go. Nice, nice. Uh, Bryce, uh, how about how would you answer? Favorite SLR and favorite compact? You know, I, I would have to say my Hasselblad. It's my favorite SLR. Uh, you know, the medium format, this in the square. You know, I'm. I know how you feel about square format, Mike, but, the, you know, <laughs> but well, I love the, it. I love right, it, Mahoga. So I like that. So, <laughs> well, and for me, I have no problem cropping photos. So if I'm, you know, shooting something square, I know I'm going to end up cutting the sky out of it later. You know, to yeah, yeah. Uh, to size it down. But uh, you know, growing up, I I had a Mamiya. Uh, what is it? Six four five one thousand S. Mm -hmm. I had that back in college as my first medium format, and, and uh, I really idolized, you know, all the BMX photographers, and they were all shooting Hasselblads then for the uh, leaf shutter with the uh, sync speed at any speed. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of a lot of the photographs I use, I use strobes for. So the Hasselblad was always on my wish list, and once I got that, I got my first one six years ago, and and. Uh, that's the pretty much the only camera I shoot, um, mm. you know, unless I'm doing family family photos. Mm -hmm. And and then as far as compact cameras go, I was, you know, I was uh, just thumbing through my Instagram feed trying to figure out uh, which one it even is. But uh, I I really have no interest in compact cameras all that much. But I did grab one um, for what like fifty cents at a thrift store. It's a little Canon. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, here it is. It's a snappy LX, okay. and uh, and it's it's one of those all fully automatic. You know, you have absolutely no control over it. The flash is on all the time, and uh, what I really wanted was to recreate those uh, kind of family moments. You know, photographs that I remember from a kid uh, with the crappy on-camera flash and oh yeah. And, uh, and overexposed faces and underexposed backgrounds and yeah. and uh, technically technically unsound photographs, but that's the reason <laughs> I that's the reason I bought this camera, and because uh, there's you know something kind of to me kind of heartwarming about those photos, and uh, you know that's I always have that on my wrist you know for Thanksgivings and Christmases and and uh, you know that I would say that'd be my go-to. Yeah, it's funny that that look is kind of. Almost in a way, I've seen like it, the trends of it trying to come back. That sort of like 
you know, the on camera flash, like, like like you said, the blown out faces and the and mm-hmm. the, the dark. But you see that look a lot now, as as if it's a, like a hip trend now. Like people are, you know, I think that's what the cool kids were trying to make big before they jumped on the APS bandwagon. So I think that's uh, that's what. Uh, <laughs> Do you think happening. that's <laughs> why people dig Instax so much? Because that's generally the look that you get from Instax. That yeah. maybe it reminds them of the old pictures from back in the day. Because so. you've got the, yeah. the really heavy flash blowing out the faces and the highlights, and then there's practically no background. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's see. Well, favorite, gosh, favorite SLR. <clears throat> I have a ton of them, but uh, I would say my favorite is um, the Pentax, uh, probably the, <clears throat> gosh, 645N is probably my favorite right now. It's a, uh, uh, <clears throat> gosh, dag on it. Okay. Um, Getting all choked up here because thinking about uh, my love for my cameras, but uh, no, probably the the Pentax six four five N. It's it's I like it because it's easier. Like I would probably say my Pentax six seven, but it it I've really got to be committed to go out and shoot with that thing because it's uh, it is it's it's I mean it's everybody talks about how heavy how heavy they are. They are heavy, but it's just it's not a camera I'll go out and shoot just randomly just like i don't know what i'm gonna go shoot today i'm gonna go shoot something that's not one that i would necessarily grab for that with the six seven i kind of usually have more of a plan but if i just want to go out and shoot uh just to run it you know just whatever i run into uh the six four five n is much easier to kind of carry around you get more shots on a row and uh, i do really like that camera i love the way it operates the knobs are just everything is laid out so perfectly on that camera that's probably my favorite slr in uh uh in medium format or whatever uh, for a uh, 35 millimeter, I would have to, I'm going to cheat and, and, and go two different formats, but, uh, actually I've been really liking my, I hate to say it, uh, K 1000 SE because, uh, there's just some, something about the simplicity of those cameras. I have Pentax, uh, SLRs, 35 millimeter SLRs that are, uh, have way more features and, and all that stuff. But there's something about that just that simplicity of the k1000 it just doesn't it doesn't it never gets in my way and that's uh, something i always appreciate about that and as far as compacts well i mean that would definitely be uh the kodak t550 aps uh can i'm joking I'm, just, <laughs> I'm joking okay so <laughs> but uh no it it would probably be my uh pentax uh i have a uc1 i would normally say the olympus stylus epic <laughs> Uh, but since I can't afford those anymore, I bought the Pentax version and uh, the UC1, and it's very stylus epic-like. And uh, so I've been using the heck out of that camera lately. So that's probably my my favorite uh, compact. So uh, uh, a, a whole Pentax lineup here. I know that's a big surprise to everyone that listens to this podcast. So, but uh, <laughs> but there we go. All right, our next question is from uh, Leonid Nikishin, and. Uh, I hope I got that uh, pronunciation right. He, uh, he actually started his own podcast, another film photography podcast, and I listened to it. And he, he gave a super, super nice uh, shout out to uh, Andre and I in this podcast at the end of his episode. And it really made my day. He just said some uh, a really, really beautiful thing about, about this, uh, this show, and uh, I just really appreciated it. It was, uh, it was very cool. But his podcast is called uh, Ten Rows of Film. So you can uh, see uh, his, uh, I believe it might be his first episode he has out at this point. Uh, you can find that on your podcast catchers, 10 rows of film. Anyway, uh, his question is, do you prefer to shoot alone or in the company of others, friends, family, fellow photographers, and why? All right, uh, Dustin, you want to go first? I mean, I guess I have been already, so yeah. we'll just keep that trend going. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
You know, I don't really have a preference. If I generally tend to shoot in the presence of others, but by myself. Mm. So mm. I don't really have other friends that shoot photography or that shoot film. Well, that shoot photography, period, honestly. Um, I live in a small town outside of Atlanta, so there's not a whole lot of people, you know, that are out here shooting film anyway. Um, I've only ever been to one big photo walk, really, and that was a fun experience. But I generally tend to be shooting by myself or in a group of friends where I'm the one walking around with the camera slowing everybody down. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Bryce? Uh, for me, you know, having somewhat of an introverted, introverted personality, uh, photography is highly personal to me, and I like to go out alone. Um, you know, a lot of the abandoned buildings that I, that I try and find, you know, my wife might be riding along with me, but, but uh, you know, when I get out of the car, I'm in the zone and kind of kind of dead to the world and same thing goes through when i'm out shooting around the streets uh you know i i try to make myself look you know as least threatening as possible i don't wear a hat i wear bright colored clothing you know i you know try not to look like a creep but i normally have a my headphones in and i i like to you know take my photo and then take my photo and then go uh you know really not trying to attract any kind of attention to myself because uh, yeah. I don't want to alter the scene, you know, if I can keep from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of the same way. I uh, I feel like uh, I get more done when I go out by myself, and uh, I feel like I'm more in the zone maybe and pay more attention. Uh, but I do go out with uh, people every once in a while. I've went out a couple times with a guy I work with that he's uh, just kind of getting back into film, so I was more than happy to go out with him and, uh, you know, kind of get him motivated to, to, you know, shoot some film photography and, and plus, we went out a lot of times at night in a downtown area, which was kind of, it's that, in that situation, I think it's good to have somebody with you. So you, uh, one person can kind of keep an eye on the surroundings while the other person's shooting and stuff like that, uh, especially when you're, you know, downtown in a city or whatever at nighttime. Uh, but oh, I yeah, get for more, sure. Yeah. And I, I get more done by myself, though. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more, uh, and I, I kind of maybe prefer that, but uh, I did have a blast. When Andre came into town, uh, we went out for a couple for two days straight and uh, kind of walked around the city and, and took shots together. <clears throat> but that was, a, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think in that situation, it kind of helped me to be with somebody else because I've walked those same streets so many times. I wasn't really worried so much about me doing photography. I wanted to let him kind of get some shots of Louisville and all that while he was in town. So I took to, took him to some places I'd been to a lot. But there was something about being with somebody else and just kind of seeing what they were shooting and and like, oh, that's a, that's a that's a good shot. I hadn't thought about something like that uh, in that situation where I'd been to an area where I'd covered way too many times. It kind of did open my eyes and and I found myself taking different shots than I normally normally would have taken not 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 that i was copying uh what andre was doing it was just like sometimes you see him shooting something and it would make you think well what if you did it this way or just in that situation in an area where i was i've kind of over over photographed it kind of helped me break out of my mode a little bit so that that was kind of nice but uh but yeah so all right uh let's see i think we covered that one pretty well didn't we Mm um all right where are we at here Okay, uh, Matt Jones, he comes in, he's asked, uh, stand or timed development? 
Um, I do both. I, I, I Rodenol is my main developer, um, which is generally what people use for stand development. Uh, I, I guess it really just depends on what I've shot, or if I don't. I, I shoot a lot of bulk roll film, so generally, stand development is when I don't mark my roll of film and I don't know <laughs> what I have in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, how about you, uh, Bryce? For me, I do everything, almost everything timed. I think I've done stand developing uh, uh, once with black and white, and I've done it a handful of times with color film at room temperature. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I think I think it's a tool uh, that I don't necessarily know how to use and when to implement yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I've, I, all my developing at this point has been all-timed. I, have, I haven't even tried stand developing yet. I haven't really maybe had the necessary or the... I really haven't had a reason to try it. And it's not that I don't want to. I, I'm just kind of looking for that reason to try it. But I just time development's been working for me so far. So I'm just going to just gonna stick with that at this point. But I do, it's something I do want to try. It seems like a lot of people are getting uh, some pretty cool results. And I guess with that, you can actually do several rows together that aren't even the same uh, the same uh, yep. shot at the same speed. Right, yeah. 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 From from what I've because I, I do use it more than when I just forget to mark a roll of film. I do actually enjoy the results I get from stand developing. The um, it, it seems like it exposes your highlights without blowing them out. And mm. then it gives you pretty good um, detail in your shadows. It's like it just is long enough for it to develop what you have on the image and nothing more. So when I know I've got a roll of film where I've like missed or overexposed the shit out of a shot or multiple shots because I just had my settings wrong and I didn't realize it until halfway through the roll, um, I'll stand develop it, and it usually is pretty good about bringing it back to an extent. I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, it's something I need to try. I put it on the ever-growing photography to-do list. That uh, I, hey, maybe I'll, I'll get around to it this winter. But I... and Rodinol is so cheap. Rodinol is so cheap. It's like twenty. It's cheaper than HC one ten. It's like twenty bucks for a bottle of it, and you uh, use ten milliliters or a hundred right. milliliters when you stand develop. Okay. So you're you're not using hardly any developer. Nice, nice. All right. Well, um, I think we're gonna let's, let's answer one more question and let's take a break and then and then finish up with the rest of the questions. This is gonna be a long episode, folks, because you people on the Facebook group just asked a lot of awesome questions, so I can't complain about that. But uh, all right, let's uh, get to this last uh, last one for this segment. Um, this is from uh, Zvain Olav Humberset, and uh, he has says uh, question for all three. What is your dream subject for your ultimate episode of Negative Positives Podcast, and who would be your dream guest? Uh, well, I'll go ahead and answer this one first, but uh, I don't know about ultimate uh, dream subject. That'd be that'd be tough. But uh, uh, but as far as a uh, dream guest, I'm gonna have to say this, and uh, because it would just make my wife extremely happy, and that's uh, you know happy wife, happy life, right? So uh, she would want me to have on uh, Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. Uh, <laughs> because she's obsessed with him <laughs> and apparently he does some photography so yeah i uh i think i'd have to just just to uh uh just to have norman Reedus in the in the in the gutter man cave would be uh 
uh, I don't know, my wife would be uh, head over heels. So, uh, and I may, I might lose her forever, but I don't know. I think I <laughs> would probably be my dream guest or, 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 or and uh, just on, also on a Hollywood tip, uh, well, I guess he's not really in Hollywood anymore, but I really do like uh, Jason Lee. I, I, his, I think his work's fantastic. Oh, I yeah, always yeah. like, I always loved him as an actor. Anyway, I, I, I've always, he just he seems like a really cool guy. I'm really into the film photography community, so Jason Lee would definitely be up there too. You so. know, that might be attainable. Matt Day had him on his podcast, so if he's yeah. not, you know, against being on podcasts. Yeah, I know. I just I don't know if we're at that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, come on, man. You've got way more episodes out than Matt Day at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's quantity, but I don't know about quality. Or I don't know about uh, <laughs> about, about market saturation either. So. Nah, but, uh, I think your podcast is plenty good enough. <laughs> well, we might have to take down the, the, the fart joke uh, episodes before I'd ask him, maybe. So I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, Hey, man, he was in My Name is Earl. That oh, that's true. That's yeah, true. That's true. That's you got to own it now. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Well, if you guys, uh, what 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 guests would you guys if, uh, like to see on here? If you if if in a dream world, so. Um, I really would like to see Jareb Ortiz on here. Um, the Studio C forty one guys had him on their cast, but do you yeah. know who Jareb Ortiz is? No, I guess yeah. I, well, I did. I'm sure I heard that episode because I've listened to all the Studio C41 episodes. So I'm sure I heard. It. I'm just. I'm. I'm, try, I'm drawing a blank on which one he, which guest he was. But yeah, he's the National Parks. Um, oh yeah, the, yeah. He he got the sort of the what they called the Ansel Adams job in a way. It was yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I remember that. I remember that episode very well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, all right, uh, Bryce. Do you who would you who would you like to see on this podcast? Um, honestly, I don't really have any names, but, uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to hear interviews with, uh, you know, some, some people doing darkroom printing, you know, that are mm-hmm. actually, uh, experienced, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, have, have, have years and years of experience. Um, oh, what's that? Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. What's the uh, name of that podcast? He, he talks digital and, and film alike. It's it's uh, huge. He's been around forever. Oh, uh, tips tips from the top four. Is that it? No, no, okay. no. Um, oh hell, I'm just drawing a blank. Uh, anyway, he in one of their episodes, he went to that uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. There's a, a, a oh, oh the art of photography. You're yes, that was. Oh, it. okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, but Head yeah, he, yeah, he goes down there and talks to the to the guys at, uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona. And they, uh, they do a lot of platinum palladium printing and, uh, and darkroom work. And I really like to hear about, uh, about their backgrounds and, uh, and, uh, how they got to where they are now. That would be super cool. I almost went and visited that shop when, uh, my wife and I went on vacation a couple of years ago, but it just didn't really fit into the, um, schedule. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, well, I do. I, I don't. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and preview this. I got a little breaking news here. I did uh, reach out to someone uh, that's kind of a heavy hitter that is going to be coming on uh, sometime in the near future, and uh, so uh, I, I'm gonna go ahead and announce that it's. Uh, I, I'm gonna have the best voice in all of podcasting on the show very soon. Ted Vieira from uh, Photography Matters. So you guys listen to that. Do you ever listen to that show? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mr. Ted Vieira, the silkiest yeah, voice. Man. Yeah, man. That'll so, be awesome. uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to I that. Like I, 
<laughs> I like Ted's podcast. I reached out to him. Um, I actually didn't hear anything back from him, but I reached out to him when I first started the group because he had a couple podcasts on printing your work, and I was like, hey, man, I just started this this Facebook group, and I never heard anything back from him. <laughs> I don't think he's very active on Facebook, though. I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying no. to slander the man. No, he isn't. He's big on Instagram. I do notice that, and that's how we kind of communicated a little bit through that. So I just kind of want to see if I can get him to drop a yeah, man soundbite, and I can just insert it in the show from uh, in the future. But <laughs> oh, he, I'm sure he'll say yeah, man, at least once. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, so that's kind of uh, going to be a fun thing to look forward to. So. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back and finish up uh, the rest of these Facebook questions. So uh, we'll be right back, folks. folks we're back for the hopefully the last segment here we got some some more questions to get through and then we'll try to wrap this thing up uh i did forget to mention when i mentioned uh svein olav humberset's uh question i forgot to mention his podcast which uh at one time was called the unnamed photo film podcast or something like that but he put up a poll to to get a winning name for the podcast and the winner apparently was the viewfinder vikings podcast which uh, i was one of the that's the name i voted for so that's an awesome name so check out uh uh, his podcast, uh, The Viewfinder Vikings. So another cool uh, film po- uh, podcast popping up, and uh, I, I just love seeing it, man. I remember years, uh, well, not years ago, when very early on in this podcast, I was trying to get more people to start them, and I'm not saying they, that they heard that and, and, and took the bull by the horns, but uh, it just, I, I do like, I think the more voices that are out there is, is an, a positive thing for the community, because if you don't resonate with one podcast, maybe you'll resonate with somebody else's, and that's, that's the important thing, just to help this film community keep growing, so awesome stuff. But uh, all right, let's get on to these questions. Uh, the next one's from Greg Opst. I hope I got that right, Opst or Opst, and uh, he says, if you could bring back one photographer from the dead to be interviewed on the Negative Positives podcast, who would that be, and what question uh, would be your first to him or her? Wow. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start first with that, I guess. Uh, I've stated several times on the show, uh, I mean, I, I love, like, uh, they're just the, the, the typical uh, classic, uh, you know, Anzo Adams and uh, Edward Weston and all that, but my favorite out of kind of that time frame is uh, Wynn Bullock. And because uh, I think he, to me, he's kind of like ties in a little bit of both those, uh, what I like out of both those uh, photographers. And also uh, later on, actually did do some uh, color work as uh, as an art form or whatever. So I think that's kind of makes him interesting. And uh, I guess as far as uh, what my first question would be is, I mean, I would really kind of like to know from somebody that was, you know, kind of on the ground floor of photography being uh, considered an artistic medium, like, you know, what that was like when, because at time, you know, there was a time when it wasn't really being accepted as an art form. And uh, it would be kind of interesting to see their, their, uh, his take 
or any of those uh, famous photographers from back then, uh, the masters of photography or whatever, uh, what, how that, what, that, what, that, what that was like when photography wasn't necessarily respected as much as an art form. And then also uh, with when Bullock in, uh, uh, in particular, I would like to know, uh, you know, what made him uh, start exploring color uh, photography over black and white as an artistic medium. So I think those would be the, the questions I'd want to want to ask him. But uh, all right, we'll stick with the same format. So, Dustin, you'd uh, you'd be up. Um, it's really hard to choose just one. Um Obviously, Ansel Adams would be a, a big choice because I've mentioned multiple times his pictures were really what inspired me to want to take photographs in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I, he. There are so many interviews and stuff with him from back in the day because he was one of the few who was considered art, I guess, in his time. Mm-hmm. That maybe I wouldn't necessarily choose him. Um, there are a couple of photographers that have really been like loving their work, and they're both dead. They were both um, part of the Bang Bang Club. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them, but they're a group of wartime photographers from South Africa during oh, okay. the um, shit. I don't know. What it, I can't remember. But essentially, like when South Africa was going through all the shit in the early '90s, um, the both one of them was killed in the middle of it. And the other one killed himself. He took that picture of the um, Kevin Carter and Greg and Ken Osterbeck are the ones I'm talking about. But Ken Kevin Carter shot himself after taking a picture of the the vulture following the little girl. And I really would just like to pick his brain about that because I know that they're not allowed to interact with those people. But I just, man, I just want to know like that experience like how they had the strength to to be able to take those shots when they're seeing all that terrible shit and the the pictures that they have there's just so much emotion in them and they tell us i know people talk about telling a story but i don't think many people capture stories the way that those two dudes did or that or those that group of photographers did Mm. but i think it would be one. one of the two of them or you know both of them together just because the stuff that they accomplished is mind-blowing wow that's good it's good all right uh bryce what do you think honestly you know i this is a real hard question for me because uh i don't really look back uh in history all that much you know as far as uh, you know i'm always more or less looking forward to you know what's contemporary and what's going on now uh you know, I, you know, I like to say Ansel Adams or, or somebody like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what Dustin was just talking about, uh, as far as war photography goes, it, it did uh, uh, make me think of a uh, something I read about a, uh, what's his name, Robert Kappa, mm-hmm. you know, uh, photographing uh, D-Day on the mm-hmm. beach, and if I remember, I didn't. Uh, didn't he lose like most of his photos from that? Yeah. Like out of poor development. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, I'd I'd almost you know kind of want to hear what a kick like kind of want to talk to him about that and you know yeah. see what his view on that was. Like, did he take that as a real kick in the gut or is was it just you know part of the game and he's happy with what he got right, you know right. from that? And along with of course you know all the stories that that uh. You know about the adventures 
you know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine putting myself in that kind of, that kind of situation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, you guys, you guys uh, came up with some good ones. So the war photographers would be, but the, the stories, gosh, that you, that would be a, that'd be a, that'd be a five-hour podcast. It might actually break the record of this one. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the stories. Those and there was a, yeah. there was a, a recent one that Radio Lab did a podcast about a war photographer and some of the stuff that she did. And I would like to have a conversation with her too. I can't remember her name off the top of my head though, mm. but. Some of the photos that she took that I have seen are, I just, man, that's just, I don't want to say dream job because I don't think I have the guts to put myself in those positions. Oh, no. I, oh, yeah. I, I really, I really, really <laughs> admire those people. Yeah, yeah. And, and man, it, it would be like, just to figure, what I don't understand, like, like, you're seeing so much tragedy. Like, how do you... Like what to photograph? Like, man, it would just be tough. Like to, to photograph that uh, sort of some of those grisly things, and and no one where, where the line is, what you would take and what not to take. It, 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 that's something that I would. That's an angle I'd want to explore if I had uh, like a war photographer on. You know, like how do you know what's what needs to be captured to tell the story, and what you just have to pass on. You know, because some things obviously would be really tough. You know, and uh. Yeah. So yeah. And how do they? I mean, how do they just go about life as normal after that? You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, let's see here. Uh, next question is from uh, Junior Wyatt, and he says, uh, "If you could ask Vivian Mayer or Meyer uh, one question, what would that question be?" All right. I'll let you go first on this one, Dustin. Hmm. I've got an unpopular opinion on Vivian Meyer. I'm not a fan of her work. I don't think it's very compelling. Um, I think it's boring. I think it's a cool capture in time. I mean, that's about all there is to it. Um, I've watched the documentaries on her. I've flipped through her books. I just don't get it. I don't... I mean, is it just the novelty that she left ba uh, behind a bazillion freaking roles? Maybe that's what I would ask her. Was development yeah. too expensive for her? Like, what was her deal, you know? Right, right. But to me, it's just... It's just she takes a, a ass load of selfies, man. Like, what's so <laughs> compelling about a, a selfie with a Rolleiflex in a New York City window? <laughs> she she was a woman before her time. I mean, look at where we're oh at now. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I just I don't get it. I know people do. I know um, Junior loves her. He's always talking about her, and, and I'm not trying to demean her as a photographer or anybody for liking her. I just don't get Vivian Meyer and her rabid fan base or why there is one even i just don't i just i don't know well, i do feel bad for her though because that dude that's like editing all of her photos is not a photographer and he's doing her a huge disservice those photos are the stuff he's doing is not the best that yeah. alone is maybe that's part of it is you can tell it's just like over sharpening and super contrasty that you know the shots you can tell the shots weren't taken to be that contrasty on some of them, I just, I don't get it. I don't know. I, that's all I got to say. <laughs> Dustin, stir in the pot tonight on the, uh, on the Negative Did, Pauses podcast. But didn't, they, <laughs> uh, didn't they kind of take that guy out of the equation? Like, didn't her uh, photographs move on somewhere else now? There's like a big lawsuit or something from what I yeah. can tell on it about the whole thing because he found them and he says they're like his property and blah, blah, blah or whatnot. Now, I don't, I don't know how all that works. I don't really care to to figure it out either right right 
Yeah, that's tough. I, you know, I watched the documentary. I haven't really d- dived deep into looking at a whole lot of her photography. I, uh, I've never been a huge street photography person. I get it. I, I, I understand the uh, the artistic side of it and that a lot of people, it's a huge thing. A lot of people, that's their that's their bag. It's not, not really been mine. So I would probably have a hard time uh, really uh, interviewing her because I don't uh, consider myself really a street photographer so much per se, I guess. But I would probably ask her again, sort of the same question, like, why did you have so many undeveloped roles? Did it not drive you crazy that you, you know, I mean, what was the what was the reason for shooting all this for it never to be seen? You know, and I guess there's you know, I'm sure there's there was some reason and I'm sure she just enjoyed the process of getting out and and shooting photography. But it just seems so odd to not really even see some of your work uh, ever, ever even get developed, you know, and uh, much less uh, printed or anything like that. It just it seems like there's so, so much is left out of the the whole equation of photography. Like what was. What was that reason? I, I guess it was where I would go with it. But yeah, uh, but I'd have a hard time with that interview because again, I'm not street photography is not necessarily my 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 main my main gig or whatever. But uh, I don't know, Bryce. What do you think? I mean, I'm right there with you guys. That's the that's really the burning question. You know, I I wish she was in front of me so I could shake her by the shoulders and say, "Develop your film, develop your film." But yeah, but it's like you know, you're talking about street photography. Um, you know, I love street photography, and and part of the part of the uh, appeal to it is just seeing a different era. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, they don't have to be necessarily compelling photographs when they're 50 years old, and you're seeing the seeing the cars and the and the clothing and the businesses. You know, yeah. signage. You know, yeah. from that from that uh, point in time, I think that's you know a lot of a lot of what I like about her work. But the thing is, there were a lot of photographers taking those pictures back then, too, though. She's not the only one. Yeah. Well, that, and, you know, you're right, but, you know, it gets into, uh, it gets into that debate of, like, why do you photograph anything? Because it's probably already been photographed before. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's no one, nobody, uh, with her, with her vision standing where she was standing at any particular point in time, taking that photograph, you know, she was the only one seeing what she saw at that time. That's true. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, you know, seeing, seeing through someone else's lens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do too wonder, like, you know, I, I haven't looked into enough of her work, but I've seen some pretty, pretty amazing, you know, street photography shots, uh, the little bit that I've looked, uh, into her stuff. And obviously she has a huge following, but I do wonder how much of that is uh, the brilliance of her street photography versus just kind of the mystique that's been built to, around it, you know? And, uh, uh, so I don't, I don't know. I'm not, not taking anything away from her. I do think though that, had she, you know, if she had exhibited her work and shown it back in the day and like actively tried to pursue, you know, uh, getting her work out there at that time, would have people have seen it as as a, as amazing as they, you know, tend to act like it is now? Or is it just the fact that there's this interesting story behind it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't delved enough into her work to to really uh, be able to come up with a, an opinion. But it, it's something I do wonder uh, about that whole uh, kind of uh craze that happened a couple years ago with all this so but uh and yeah. maybe i would ask her why she chose a rolleiflex if she's not going to develop any of it <laughs> yeah you know, like what 
why such an expensive even back in for that time an expensive camera if you're you know that's known for its lens and all that if you're not gonna develop your stuff mm. i don't know hmm. uh you know and i kind of wonder if maybe it was just uh you know something we're all guilty of where you you shoot a roll, you throw it on the counter. You shoot another roll, you throw it on the counter. Next thing you know, you got a shoebox full, and you're going, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really got to get to work. But then you go out and shoot <laughs> some more. Yeah, but yeah. wasn't she a nanny? I mean, I yeah. feel like she could have easily like developed it while she's like putting the kids down for a nap. You know? Yeah. Have yeah. you ever tried to put a kid down for a nap before? <laughs> no, man. I don't. I don't have to. <laughs> Oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> I'm saying, like, once they're asleep, you know, I yeah, mean, how yeah, long does it I, take I to develop saying. a roll of film? Yeah, yeah, but then but then once they're asleep, the minute you try to do anything productive, they magically wake up. So, yeah, it does. Uh... <laughs> but uh... I mean, I've tried to get my German Shepherd to take a nap for more than five minutes. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, now that we've really stirred up a controversial pot, uh, pot of... Uh, something here uh we'll, we'll move on uh neil piper of the soot and whitewash uh podcast has put in a, a i mean i think a really insightful question and uh, but it, one that's very easy to answer because we all know what the answer is going to be on this he just simply states aps or 110 um <laughs> neither yeah 120 uh, I'm gonna, uh, for the sake of the answering the question for Neil, I'm going to say 110 because I can still order on. that shit fresh. Yeah, but that shit fresh is going to look worse than APS is 20 years old, man. Like, uh, APS hey, is a you know dominates, what, I can't, dominates I, I it for me. <laughs> I have a 110 carrier for my enlarger. You know what I don't have for my enlarger? <laughs> An APS carrier. Well, you're about to get one because once this revival takes off like it's going to, I mean, there's going to be all sorts of APS accessories coming out. So we, that's just a matter of time. Uh, we all know my answer is APS, and, and that's everyone's answer. So we could probably just move on. But, Bryce, what, what, what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really have a real opinion on this. <laughs> I'm just going to go with a hard pass. Okay, yeah, good, I, good. So, so we all agree APS. I know it's a joke you. question, but, I mean... <laughs> Well, good, Come good. I, I think we can wrap it up because we, we okay. It's, it's good to see we all agree that APS is the answer there, so we can move on. And uh, I think the real right. ho, I, hold on. I think the real <laughs> the real um, gem of this question was a little bit farther down, where Neil Piper told Danny Roberts that disc was a ball ache to develop, and I got a real <laughs> kick out of ball ache because I've never really heard that before. <laughs> I gotta say that's a new one on me too. He, I think he yeah. even he even asked if that had made it to the side of the pond. Uh, yeah. well, I think I think it officially has now because Ball Lake will probably enter my vocabulary and it'll. it'll... Oh, it oh, already yeah, has. Sure. The guys at work were cracking up at me already when I mentioned it uh, Saturday about how working the Georgia Tech game was a Ball Lake, and they were like, "What?" <laughs> well, so well, thanks good. for that, Neil. Yeah, and so the the term ball ache will now take over to catch on almost as fast as the APS revival. So it's uh it's uh it's gonna be good. So uh, every, everything's APS working out. is a ball ache. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, the next question is, all right, we've talked about this uh, on, during the break. I have no idea how to pronounce this last name because there's this weird little symbol there. Are we right? Am I right? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, 
Is a, that a B? Uh, it could be a B. I don't know. Like Maybe AJ. I just. But I don't want to do it. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't want to do a disservice to this gentleman's last name. So can we just call him AJ? AJ. All right. AJ, you're going to explain what that what's going on with your last name on this group here because uh, we're all confused. But uh, uh, he says uh, Dustin or Bryce, if you could go back and apprentice with Helmut Newton or Herb Ritz, which one would you choose and why? This was a fun question because I don't think any of us were familiar with these guys. And I looked them up and let me open up these tabs real quick. Looking at their work, they definitely have similar styles, but it is different. Their fashion slash celebrity slash nudie picture photographers. Um, Did you say nudie? Yeah, man. He did, yeah. <laughs> Nudies. All right. I like yeah. it. <laughs> no, Helmet has this one picture that I've gravitated towards since I looked him up, and it's like this alligator eating a woman. But I don't know if it's like a setup thing or what, and it's a really cool picture. Um, and his work is like a lot of natural light versus uh, Herbert's, which is like studio strobes and really clean looking um and it's nice too he does a lot of nude models and that kind of stuff but i i think if i was to choose the two of them i would go with uh helmet newton because his work just it's a little grittier it's a little more contrasty it's natural light um i i i'm not really familiar it's not my style i don't do a lot of like famous portraits so <laughs> nice. i don't really have much experience with the two of them but maybe I, I would say helmet yeah yeah well okay bryce how would you answer this one um you know like dustin said i had no idea who either one of these photographers were and i had to sit there this is kind of the question i've been fretting the most um but you know fashion photography doesn't doesn't really uh, interest me at all but i do I do like the challenge of, or the idea of the challenge of, you know, having to sit down and make portraits with someone like this one-on-one. -on -one. What I really, uh, you know, between the two, I feel like I'm drawn more to Herb Ritz. Uh, you know, his close-up pictures here that I'm looking at, you know, they're, uh, you know, I just like them. You know, the I like, uh, you know, contrast with, Helmut Newton, you know, you were talking about his contrasts and natural light. You know, I'm more drawn to the studio portraits and the more even lighting. And, uh, you know, I'd really, uh, what I'd really hope to learn from him would be, you know, how you, how you interact with someone like that one-on-one -on -one and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, be able to make a compelling portrait that way. Nice, nice. Uh, I honestly, I had actually heard the name Helmut Newton before, never really checked it out. And I may have heard of Herb Ritz, but not really sure. I, uh, I don't really have an answer, but I, so I'll just simply, uh, kind of in a very, um, non, uh, intellectual way to say, I'd say Helmut Newton just cause his first name is Helmut. And, uh, <laughs> 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 but, but from Dustin's uh, description of the, of the natural light and, uh, uh, kind of grittier. That's probably that'd probably be my choice too. But all right. So uh, John Roberts asks: single malt or blended whiskeys? We'll let you start. Bourbon country. 
<laughs> well, uh, for me, it's just as long as it's Kentucky bourbon, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's my answer. So <laughs> you guys can get uh, all high fluting about it all you want, but just make sure it's a uh, good old, good old Kentucky bourbon and I'm happy. So, uh, uh, but so I'll, I'll let you go on next, Dustin. <laughs> Well, I am a whiskey connoisseur, I would like to say. I try not to buy the same bottle multiple times, even though there are certain ones that I do. Uh, I like single malts, um, and a lot of single malts are blended, so I feel like this is kind of a trick question. Um, and I looked up John Roberts. He appears to be Canadian, and a lot of Canadian whiskeys are blended. I don't enjoy Canadian whiskey. Um, and I'm with you, though. If I'm m- Most of the whiskeys on my top of my fridge are bourbon. I tend to enjoy higher proof bourbon bottled in bond or um, barrel proofed single barrels um, bourbon. Let's do yeah. I'll just bourbon. That's what that's the answer I wanted to hear. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Bryce, you uh, you are any sort of a whiskey or bourbon guy or uh, whiskey makes me feisty. I'll, I'll just stick with beer. <laughs> that's a safe choice. Safe choice. <laughs> All right, so uh, then we move on to uh, this. Oh, it's the last question. Okay. Last uh, question. Yeah, Christine Pinnock says, uh, for all three, is there one photography book you would recommend and why? Uh, can be about a photographer or darkroom, anything to do with photography. So, uh, all right, you guys uh, you guys go first. I've got one in mind, so. Um, I can't, I can't recommend just one. I've already mentioned it. I think the most important book for photographers to read are the trio from Ansel, the camera, negative, and print. Um, There's so much good information in there. I don't think that you can get around it. Um, And it's just, that's where you should go. They're not expensive. You can pick them up for cheap anywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, Now, I think my favorite photography book is called Wolf. It's by Elliot Erwitt. Uh, it's it's dogs. I'm a huge dog lover. If anybody follows me on Facebook, I'm sure you already know that. So I'm always <laughs> posting that kind of stuff. But uh, that or the Magnum contact sheets. I think um, I think that would probably be my next one after the Ansel Adams books because even though there's not a lot of written instruction in there, uh, it's the contact sheets from the Magnum photographers. So you kind of get to see the shots that they take on their rolls and then which ones they're choosing as their top pictures on the rolls and they're circled and you can kind of get a feel for what they were going for and I think you can learn a lot by seeing their contact sheets and their proofs and what they're choosing from those. That's cool. Yeah, I'd like to see. I don't have that book. That's one I should probably try to pick up. Yeah. Uh, All right, Bryce, what do you you got? You know, I'm... I'm just not into books that much, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Dustin, uh, his uh, trio of books by Ansel Adams have been on my wish list for a while. You know, I'd really like to buckle down and read those, but you know, I spend so much time on the internet. That's where I get 95% of my information. I would uh, recommend uh, Blogspot. It's a Strobist. Oh yeah. Uh, dot blogspot.com for anyone interested in learning how to shoot with strobes i find or i found this website extremely helpful um you know for learning flash photography and then as yeah. far as uh and as far as photo books go um you know i have books you know by uh, evan williams you know um 
Oh, Robert Frank, the Americans. Uh-huh. Uh, and then uh, one of my favorite ones, it's a, uh, it's called uh, destroying everything. And it's uh, by Ricky Adam. And he's kind of a, he's kind of a BMX photographer, but then he took a lot of, does a lot of a uh, band photography and, you know, the kind of a punk rock, uh, the scene, you know, involving, you know, uh, everything around that. And, you know, his book is full of grit and grime and blood and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, just very interesting to, very interesting to go through. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to agree also with Dustin. I feel like the, the, the trio of books or Manzo Adams is, uh, it's kind of necessary. I will say though, they're hard reads, man. They there's there's they a lot of dense. yeah. There's a lot of science in those books, man. It's not like uh, you gotta uh, you gotta kind of sit down in a quiet place to take those things in because uh, it's uh, uh, they're yeah they're but I mean that's kind of why they're the, sort of the bibles, I guess, of uh, of photography, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to go without mentioning those. But I pulled out a book from my collection uh, right before we recorded this, and I've forgotten how much I love this book. Uh, it was, it's, uh, called Edward Weston, a photographer's love of life. And it was put out by the Dayton art Institute. And it's such a cool book. Cause it's like, it goes through like his whole life and, uh, uh, and then has also photo, you know, plenty of his photos. The first part is mostly about his life and, and, and stuff and like photos of his family and, and this and that. But then it goes into like his photos and, you know, and some of the photos will have like uh, write-ups about about you know the process of that photo or what or what the photo was about or when he took it or and stuff. But it's I think it's one of the most complete. Uh, I had several books on Edward Weston, but this one is 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 something special. It's a really really cool book. It's it's pretty it's a pretty big book and uh, beautifully printed and uh, uh, yeah. It's just uh, if you if you're a fan of Edward Weston, I don't know if this book's still in print. I haven't looked it up. I bought this at. Uh, half price books in uh, here in uh, the United States. I spent fifteen dollars on this, and it was worth every every penny. And uh, but yeah, Edward Weston, a photographer's love of life by the Dayton Art Institute. Uh, really, really cool book if you're into into Edward Weston. So that would be uh, kind of my uh, technical uh, choice. Would be the Anzo Adams, and then just uh, from a just a beautiful photo book choice. Uh, this this Edward Weston book is is really amazing. So, but uh, all right. We just wrapped up all these questions. So uh, I have no idea how long this podcast is going to be. I'm guessing pretty long. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, so let's start with you, Dustin. How about you tell the fine folks where to uh, check out your work? Uh, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram uh, for the love of grain. That's my photography page. Um, the one that I tend to be more active on, though, is my personal page. It's uh, decogsdell 87 um, I post a lot of stuff from work and hanging out, and it still gets photography stuff too. But the the other one is more of like the stuff that uh, I I think is more like photography pictures, I guess. I don't know how to say that, but you can also find me on the Facebook page, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast page. I'm on there quite often, and then I run the Photography Print Swap page. And be sure to come back on there soon we have a lot of stuff coming out um and hopefully we can get you guys in a swap nice nice all right bryce uh nice to have you on for your first time i was glad to finally to make this happen so uh how about uh you tell people where to check out your work yeah well uh thanks for having me mike and uh yeah you can 
hear me talk about darkroom stuff on a, at a, under the safe light. You can find that on Anchor and iTunes and places like that. And then as far as actually seeing my photos and stuff, uh, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Bryce underscore Randall. Uh, I try and keep it simple. And I post a little bit of everything. That's my only Instagram. You know, you'll see my photos and life and BMX and stuff like that all in one place. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, again, thank you. Uh, thank you, fine gentlemen, for joining me tonight. It was awesome. Always fun. And uh, you can see my photography on uh, Instagram. <clears throat> Gosh, dang it. I can't quit clearing my throat tonight. Sorry about that. But <laughs> you can see my photography. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram, at Gutterman Photo. On uh, Facebook, at Mike Gutterman Photography. Uh, you can uh, join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. And we now have a, an Instagram page just for this podcast called uh, Negative Positives. So please follow that. I think that's it. Let's wrap this up. Everybody stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> all right. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. <laughs> and we'll see you all very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Anyone else? Oh, back yet? I'm, yeah, I'm back. All righty. Did you just go pee? No. Uh -huh. <laughs> must have been, must have been Dustin. You could hear him peeing and then flushing the toilet, and I recorded it. I'm gonna put it at the end of the. <laughs> the <podcast. laughs> yeah, that was me. Was it you? <laughs> yeah, that was me. Uh, <laughs> Man, that mic is really good. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Picks up everything, doesn't it? <clears throat> I had to go make uh, another uh, old-fashioned. Nice, nice. Well, while you were gone, uh, I heard somebody peeing, so I started recording it, and uh, then I heard the toilet flush, and it was uh, Bryce. You, I, I got Bryce uh, on recording uh, pissing and flushing the toilet, so... <laughs> Oh man! So you know that's gonna make my, it at the end of the end of the show. So. My great, my great podcast debut right there. Oh man, that's brilliant. So I'm Mike G, and I'm a fly guy. I pull all the girls, and I don't even try. All the posse knows that I'm a fresh fellow. I steal your girl like I stole your Fiero. All the lesser rappers, it's me they try to mock, but I make them look like the new kids on the block.
cruising my Pontiac like a rocket ship. The blonde on my right is oh so hip. The girls are swinging. 